0: I don't think that we can assume that a diet that allows us to procreate and expand as a species is necessarily the same diet that is best for or is automatically a good diet for maximizing or optimizing healthspan and longevity if longevity is our goal going back to the fossil records and just looking at what humans may or may not have been eating is maybe not the best place for us to go particularly when we have all of this modern science looking at nutrition and chronic disease risk longevity how long people are actually um, living do bananas negatively affect polyphenol absorption how can we optimize our omega-3 index why was i called out by a proponent of the carnivore diet these are the questions that I explore in today's conversation with Drew Harrisburg. Enjoy. One of the best ways to track our health is to regularly get blood work done so we can take a peek under the hood and get a feel for the state of our cardiometabolic and hormonal health. You can do this with your local doctor or you can use a service like Inside Tracker. The nice thing about Inside Tracker is they make the process super convenient. You can organize their phlebotomist, a person who draws blood, to come to your house or office to do the blood draw. A few days later, your results show up in the Inside Tracker app, and they provide lifestyle recommendations based on whether a particular test is suboptimal, normal, or optimal. I've checked Inside Tracker's lifestyle recommendations, specifically the exercise and nutrition ones, and I can confidently say they are evidence-based and in line with the information shared in both my book and on this show. They even added ApoB to their ultimate plan, based on recommendation from myself and others. It's also nice to have all of your lab results readily accessible in one mobile app, making it easy to pull up past results and see trends and patterns over time. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. To get started, go to InsideTracker.com forward slash Simon for this exclusive offer. That's InsideTracker.com forward slash Simon if you're a longtime listener of this show you'll be well aware of the scientific evidence that supports a high-fiber plant-rich diet for good long-term health and while I certainly believe in a food first approach there is a role for supplements to help optimize the intake of specific nutrients and address any nutritional gaps enter a meal meal is a plant-based wellness company with a series of products to help you optimize your plant-based diet. Two of my favorite products being the essential Eight multivitamin and the optimal omega plus the essential Eight contains eight key nutrients that plant-based eaters often fall short in and the optimal omega plus contains a direct source of DHA and EPA omega threes, same as in fish, but from algae. In fact, taking optimal omega plus daily, which contains 750 milligrams of EPA and DHA, is equivalent to eating two to three pieces of fatty fish per week, in line with the nutrition recommendations globally. To get your Essential 8 and Optimal Omega Plus, head to theproof.com forward slash friends and follow the link which will get you an extra 10% off your first order. That's theproof.com forward slash friends. We have all the things on the table right now and i've got things in my
1: bag as well surprise we have
0: blueberries they're going to come up in discussion when we get to the blueberry banana smoothie study okay that i'm bringing to the table today
1: i don't know anything about this and i'm excited
0: to hear it it's the second smoothie study actually i brought one a while ago that was a good one the blending yeah fruit versus blended yeah walnuts They'll come up when we talk about Omega-3s. <laughs> Was I meant these, to bring props these, for these, my studies? These, these are <clears throat> BYO snacks, but they're also props. Okay, So I can dig in? They're serving as a, a reminder okay. of things that we have to talk about. <laughs> I hope that this isn't getting lit. <laughs> Sage. Last episode just uh, smoked me out. Super spiritual. <laughs> Do you want to should we light
1: it? It's tradition. New tradition. We don't have a lighter. Yeah. I, will, I also probably don't have enough liquid. I've got, a a, I've got some matcha. coffee. You're welcome to have some of this. A little bit of matcha. You've, you're which running, I, uh, I added some. On. What did I add to it? <laughs> I don't even know. I saw these on the table. I thought I'd drop them in. Mushroom shiitake. What is it? Yeah. Just taking everything today. What else is on the table? Some supplements, which we'll probably talk about. And in my bag. So I saw I've you at a- the gym
0: this morning. Yeah. You're training pretty hard for you. What, are you surprised?
1: Are <laughs> <laughs> <Were> you surprised? <laughs> Thank you, know, you, though, for I noticing was, me. Um, I was impressed. No, mate, I always train hard. You were training as your usual, just, mm. you know, no pain face. You always just look so comfortable. <laughs> but the loads are impressive, I'll give you that. Yeah. You definitely push hard, but you don't, you're don't. you not like a grunter or anything. No like. grunting. No, nah, no grunting.
0: No, I feel like you can be relaxed in the face and still yeah have the intensity in the
1: lift and in the contraction of the muscles. True. I would even argue that some people perform better. Mm. They don't, like, over-arouse before a lift, mm. right? overhype why didn't the weightlifter pay rent <laughs> is this a joke <laughs> is it no, just a no I'm yeah.
0: just like it, it's just a, a genuine question question why didn't the, the weightlifter pay his rent
1: why can you tell, can you answer that for me <laughs> can you help me out here because he was squatting <laughs> oh my god when did you turn 64 mate <laughs> Very good. Uh, That's three dad jokes in two episodes. Mm-hmm. Love it. Do you have any more later?
0: <clears throat> Maybe. Okay. We'll see. Surprise me. I, w- I will. One, one will come to my mind. I, know. I did 45 minutes of weights and then
1: I did 30 minutes of zone two. Yeah. I saw that. love that split. Mm. As in, like a shorter, intense workout and then get on the bike and mm-hmm. treat it like a bit of a cool down. I feel amazing.
0: So you, you have the, the contraction of the muscles and just lifting something heavy, mm. that stimulus which I enjoy. Yeah. I feel like I need to do that every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost every day. Maybe one day a week, I don't do that. And then the zone two, so you get that, that cardio in. And I, I leave the gym feeling it's amazing. Because
1: you did the hard work early and then the zone two feels fairly easy. And I looked at my watts today. Oh yeah? What are we talking 170. That's good, For mate. 30 minutes. Very solid. Yeah. 170. So you're sitting in, what, like 130, 130 beats, beats per, per minute. minute? Uh, Light sweat, not, not watts, dripping, just very like good. a light sweat,
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> Yeah, and could speak. I was on the phone for a little bit. Mm. No, that's, Spoke that's to you awesome. for a little bit of
1: it as well. Yeah, no, that's really good. It's And a lot of people do their workouts the other way around, so start with the zone two, then go to the weights. I definitely am more of a fan of what you did for the reason of, even though it's only like 30 minutes of zone two and it's not that fatiguing, it's probably enough to take away from your workout if you're trying mm. to gain strength and size. You know? I think so. But even, even if it's just minimal, like if your legs, if your quads are a little bit depleted from 30 minutes on a bike and then you go under a heavy squat bar, like let's say you're lifting mm-hmm. a heavy, you know, heavy day, uh, yeah, I just feel like you, you're better off coming in fresh for your squats, smash them out, finish on the bike. Yeah, it's Because your performance
0: on the bike doesn't matter. It, it probably doesn't matter as much if you're doing your zone two and then you go and do upper body. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's-
0: so I went straight in. I did five minutes rowing and then I just went straight into lifting. Yeah. And then did zone two at the end. You did a lot of
1: bench, man. Like every angle that the peck could work. <laughs> <laughs> Flat, incline, yeah. decline. I have a much less structured, and and you probably
0: don't love this, but I have a much, much less structured way of working out. You've by feel. I just like to have fun in the gym. So mm. I play around a lot. So my exercise selection is always varying and often I find that allows me to walk into a busy gym and I'm not mm. constrained by some sort of plan yep. and oh, that equipment's not available so what am I yeah. going to do oh, okay. so I literally just I know roughly how many sets a week I'd like to get I know roughly the rep range that I'm working and I know that the set how far I'm going to take it yeah, to two reps to, to failure and then maybe sometimes go all the way to failure mm. And just that as a
1: guide, it seems to be almost enough. Man, It's perfect. I'm, I do the same. Why did you think I wouldn't be a fan of that? I love that.
0: Well, I kind of presume that you like a bit more of a, a structured program where you know exactly every exercise you're
1: going to do, which I guess it does have its place. Well, depends. So if it's what I like to call like a training program, meaning you've got an end goal that you're trying to achieve. That's what I would call a training block, right? So you've got four to six weeks of follow the program to reach your goal. But your goal is longevity. Your goal is just to show up to the gym, maintain your strength, maintain your muscle mass, maintain your body composition. In which case, I think what you're doing is perfect. It's freeing. You have that autonomy to just show up to any gym in the world. You know what muscle group to hit, how many reps you need to do to get it close enough to to failure, the variety of exercises that you want to work on that day. You can just change them, like you know the movement pattern right.
0: right you need some experience and like i'm the things that i'm conscious of are so you said today everything was barbell it
1: was it was a lost. lot of chest it was a chest day right
0: literally i went from like inclined barbell yeah. to decline t- <laughs> barbell and finished on flat to <laughs> flat and then i did a close grip tricep right barbell exercise but where possible i will rotate through so there'll be barbell exercises mm-hmm dumbbell exercises, machine exercises, and something yep. that I've neglected is unilateral mm. bilateral
1: exercises. I tend to sometimes miss the unilateral mm. stuff, yeah, single leg work particularly. Yeah, I think the unilateral stuff for upper body is it's just so time consuming. Mm. Imagine think about it, it's literally double almost double the workout. If you have to do 12 reps of like a single arm press, then you have to do the other arm 12 reps. Mm. That's your one set. You got to do that three times. Mm. If both arms are working together, you're saving half the time. Yeah.
0: But probably more important for lower body, particularly for like for Absolutely. longevity. Yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. thinking
1: about kneeling down, coming up off one
0: knee, right, right, picking something up in a kind of lunge position, exactly, and balance, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: um, that's, that's a good point. So you do your, you show up to the gym with the mindset of today is a chest day or push day. Like push. what do you do? Push. So you do yeah. a bit of triceps, a bit of shoulders.
0: But today, even then, my push day today was way more biased to chest right. because I was thinking about the volume over the last week and I had a
1: lot of shoulder volume so mate this is very, this is intelligent self programming like you understand your volume metrics for the week if you feel like one muscle group's had enough volume you divert it to another mate it's smart it's, it's the way to do it the only reason my program is so structured is because some people don't have that inherent ability through years of training that you do and other people to actually self-regulate their training and understand like how much volume per muscle and all this stuff it's complicated so if, if you can just show up to the gym and just play right, that's your phone, where a plan works amazing so nice well. yeah you don't have to think about it <clears throat> i will say though if your gym is busy like peak hour so for example today i did what you did right so i had a plan i had a rough plan of muscle groups to work i wanted to start with a dumbbell bench all the benches are taken so i then was thinking okay i'll go to the barbell bench they were all taken What was I left with? Yeah, by you. (laughs) You had a towel on each bench. (laughs) So what was I left with? Well, either I wait and just stand around or I was thinking, I know the movement pattern I'm trying to train. So I know the muscle group, it's chest. I know the movement pattern, like like a horizontal pushing action. Push-ups, weighted Mm push-ups with a deficit. So I create a deficit with like handles so I can at least let my chest sink below the level of my shoulder, get a really good stretch. Chuck 20, 40 kilos on my back rep it out so that for me it did the same job as my dumbbell mm-hmm. bench press would have done so i like to teach people how to become your own coach and understand mm-hmm. how to how to change your workouts on the fly right? don't get obsessed and stuck to what you what you came in to the gym thinking you want to have a few variations for a given movement you just need to understand the movement patterns mm-hmm. and you can figure it out mm-hmm. so there's so many ways that you can do a horizontal pull right machine cable mm-hmm. Bent over barbell, you know, and if you're trying to work those muscles in your back, all of those variations are gonna pretty much do a similar job.
0: Let's mm-hmm. talk about that study that that I think you brought in today. I think this will interest yeah. people and it kind of makes <coughs> sense to hit it now. Yeah, good so we were looking at uh it was looking at machine
1: exercises versus free weight. Yeah, that's right. I I, I don't have the title of it here, but I I'll give you the rundown. Put it in the show notes. Yeah, put it in the show notes to give you the rundown of it. So the the question is and I can pitch it to you now. So, this study is looking at free weight versus machine weight for <laughs> strength outcomes, hypertrophy outcomes. Right? Which one do you believe would produce more strength? Well, actually, what what do you think the 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 answer is? Machine versus free weight for strength and hypertrophy. What 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 do you think the results would be? Based on, I can tell you like what the the exercises are mm-hmm. as well, but just off the top what's better because this is a stigma a bit of a myth as well right machine versus free weight trying to build muscle and strength
0: i think there might be a little bit of nuance
1: to this so if i think about being
0: in a machine one <clears throat> of the great things is you can be stabilized by the machine so <clears throat> if you're more stable then you might be able to Create a greater uh, stressor on the chest, for example, than you might with a free weight. Yeah,
1: it's if, easier to did, produce a my muscle connection, right? Where you don't have to worry about stability and balance, and yes, all the small muscles. It's just you know what muscle you're working, and you can get an isolated, You know, contraction
0: stress, mm-hmm. and the, and your core might not be a limiting factor in that. Okay, right. Um, so that's One thing that I'm thinking of here, Mm -hmm. but also think that some of this could be a skill. So if I train in a machine, then when you test my strength, if you test me on a machine, I could be really strong. But if you test me off a machine with free weights, I probably will be stronger, but not as strong as the person who is doing their training specifically with free weights. That would be one thought. Mm -hmm. I don't think there would be huge differences, and I think that much of this would come might come down to how experienced someone is. If you're doing a set to complete
1: failure, maybe
0: it's safer on a machine. Things like that.
1: Yeah, mate, I love those thoughts, and a lot of that is, is answered in this study. So I'll I'll tell you what the study was testing and how they did it. So the design was it was done with 36 males. They did two weeks of familiarization, right? So you've got these two groups, free weight group who are lifting using a barbell, right? Versus machine group who are doing a range of different machines. And their movement patterns are very similar. So for example, in the group training just with free weight, they're doing a barbell squat, a barbell row, a barbell overhead press, and a barbell bench press. The machine group are doing the equivalent movement patterns as the barbell, but on machines designed to do so. For example, instead of a barbell bench press, they're doing a seated chest press on a machine. Instead of a barbell row, they're doing a seated row. Instead of an, um, a barbell overhead press, they're doing a seated overhead press machine. And instead of a barbell back squat, they're doing the hack squat, like a plate-loaded hack squat. <clears throat> so the important thing about this study, which I love, is that other studies that test machine versus free weight used machines that were isolating muscle groups. So like barbell back squat versus leg extension machine. As opposed to a hack squat, which is Mm -hmm. much more similar. Yeah, it's taking the ankle knee. Yeah, exactly. The ankle knee and hip are going through a range of motion. It looks exactly like a squat. Mm -hmm. You just don't have the, you don't, there's no need for the stability that you have on a back squat. You can just sit into the machine, focus on mind muscle connection and go. Personally, I feel way more comfortable (coughs) in a hack squat. As in comfortable with the safety of it or just the, the feel of, of contracting your muscle? Stability. Yeah. And I feel like I can lift more right. because of that stability. There's no risk of dropping the barbell. There's no risk of getting out of plane. And also going to failure. Right. Much better. That's what machines are so good for. If you really want to take a muscle to failure in a compound movement, no, I don't know, some people probably are, but you shouldn't be taking a barbell back squat to full-blown mus- muscular failure. It's silly. But a hack squat or even a Smith machine, some of those you can get away with, mm. You know, re-rack. You can have set um, safeties and stuff like that. But anyway, so they trained three times a week, both of these groups, three sets per exercise, and they progressively overloaded over multiple weeks. Right. So they started at 65% of 1RM, and by session 20, they were up to like 85% of 1RM, so pretty solid loads. And the outcomes they were measuring were ultrasound of like a cross-sectional area of the muscles, and they tested, by the way, the rectus abdominis. So this is why, remember earlier you said you'd probably get more core contraction in a, in a squat? Is that what you said? Did I put words in your mouth? Yeah, essentially. You yeah. put words in my mouth. But, I,
0: <laughs> but it, I think it goes without saying your core is going to be, your core muscles will be recruited more when you're doing free weights right. versus sitting in a machine right. where you're able to get support from that machine.
1: Okay, so they tested the pecs the rectus rectus abdominis, so basically the ab muscles, and the quads, the proximal and distal, so different regional areas of the muscle to see if the hypertrophy differs. And they tested 1RM of the... So if you did the barbell program, you tested your 1RM in the barbell tests and the machine tests. Mm -hmm. And if you did the machine program, you tested your 1RM in the machine tests and the barbell tests, even though you didn't Mm -hmm. train with the barbell. So my
0: hypothesis was that if you were doing your strengthening your your resistance training in the machine, you're going to get stronger, but I'm not sure it would translate over to the free weight 1RM as well Mm -hmm. as the other group who would get great improvements in 1RM with the free weight and relatively speaking, maybe better improvements in the machines.
1: So that was my hypothesis as well. And I was a little bit surprised with the results. There was no real difference in 1RM and hypertrophy between the groups, right? The only slight difference was if you trained on a machine, you were slightly better at your 1RM on the spe- like the specific machine you trained on. Mm-hmm. So if you did a barbell back squat program and then tested a 1RM back squat, you were slightly stronger in your 1RM than the same group who did the hack squat program and then tested their 1RM on that barbell. So only slight difference and not even statistically significant. So no, no real difference in 1RM or hypertrophy. Between the groups. And I think the reason for this is that this study was so well designed that the movement patterns are extremely similar. But if you did a leg extension machine and then tested your back squat, mm. then we know that the specificity of a back squat is going to lead to way better 1RM than the leg extension machine. Okay,
0: well, that's actually a, a good result because that means people have more choice. Exactly. As long as you know what is a good machine exercise to substitute in for a free weight exercise like what was used in these studies then you can add that into your program and there might be specific reasons let's go through those where there could be an advantage to actually doing the machine based version of a particular exercise like a a hack squat versus a barbell back squat yes
1: yeah exactly I, i only see this as good news it gives it gives lifters recreational or advanced more options um, barbell purists obviously won't love this study because some people just truly believe that a freeway barbell is like the mm-hmm. ultimate way to you know build muscle and strength. It's just not true. So yeah, I guess like what is the application of this? Like in the real world, who would use this kind of information? Right. So I would say that as you mentioned earlier, a barbell back squat and a barbell overhead press—they they require skill and learning. To be honest, like years of learning. To... Did they have dumbbells in this study? No, this was only barbells. Yeah. I wonder if a dumbbell chest press would be any different. I have a feeling it would be very similar, to be honest. I think that even if they did the same exercise, there is a study looking at that. I've seen another study that I think the one that I've read before this where it, it was a sort of false equivalence where it was looking at a machine that didn't really mimic the movement pattern of the other. They used dumbbells. So, for example, I, I don't know, like it could have been like a preacher um Bicep curl, and then they test a dumbbell curl. But the muscles are different lengths, and maybe you know, it, it's it's there. are There is the ability for false equivalence there, but this study did a good job of keeping it very similar. And so across all the muscles, strength and hypertrophy was very similar. Slightly, you know, slightly better if it was specific to your training program. But the interesting one was that the rectus abdominis, which I thought for sure would be better in the group that trained with a barbell. Right, so barbell back squat. Think about a barbell back squat, mm-hmm. standing overhead press with a barbell. You would, I would think that the abs would get a way better workout. There's there's a higher degree f- and need for core stability. It wasn't it wasn't the case. It was the same in both groups. So Did they even, measure the deep abdominal muscles as well. Well, it was a ultrasound and cross sectional area. So they measured no. They short answer no. They measured the rectus abdominis. They didn't measure I don't think transverse abdominis or anything like that. But even the rectus, it was this, pretty much the same. And, and I guess the reason why, or this is my my take on it, the amount of intra-abdominal pressure you need to perform a hard set-off hack squat is pretty much equivalent to the amount you need for a barber back squat. Right? So the abs are working to stabilize your core. Taking a breath in, big breath in, <sighs> brace, and you're pushing against your abdominal wall. Those muscles need to strengthen to be able to maintain that intra-abdominal pressure. So whether you're doing a hack squat or not, it seems to be a good stimulus for the rectus abdominis. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, going back to it. So back squat, skillful movement. takes years to figure it out. Your bar path, where where is your weight? Is it in your toes or your heels? How deep can you go? Can you balance? Is the limiting factor. Like do you stop a set because you're fatigued or because you lose your form or your balance? There's so many reasons to, to stop a set. But when you're in a hack squat machine, you lock in it's a, it's, a, it's a fixed path you're in the like the what do you call it like the I guess the train tracks or whatever the machines got got going on and you just focus on that muscle and you just move yeah you know so so it has this place but that
0: stability must come at some cost maybe it wasn't measured in this study right right you mentioned their balance so yeah. for example that squat is going to stress your balance more so a barbell back squat is going to stress your balance more so. Yes. than being in the hack squad. Definitely.
1: Definitely, yeah, for sure. And
0: if you're a performance athlete, you also have to think about like sports-specific movements. Right. Yeah. What, is, what is mimicking the type of uh, action that you're doing in your sport? So if you're a football player mm-hmm. and you're, I don't know, <laughs> running past another opponent, you have to quickly push off him. Right. Right? It's, that's... That's... Arguably
1: going to require a lot more core, a lot more stability. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, this wasn't measuring those things, but yeah, I can see the practical application of doing more free weight stuff if you're an athlete, for sure. But if you you only care about growing bigger muscles and getting stronger in those muscles, Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about whether it's free weight or machine, which is a good takeaway. One limitation is the way they stopped a set was when their velocity reduced by 20%. Okay, so going back to what you just said there, Maybe some of the people doing a back squat stopped their set because their velocity dropped below 20% because they were getting out of position or felt uncomfortable. Or d- it doesn't necessarily mean they were closer to failure. Mm. or Sorry, it doesn't mean they were the same, same proximity to failure between groups. It just was a velocity change. right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So they're measuring how quickly is that bar moving. When you lose 20% of your velocity, and they pre-measured it in the, in the earlier part of the study, they terminate the set. But I can see a case where you're doing back squats, you get down to the bottom, you feel a little bit uncomfortable out of position and it's like a grindy rep, they'll call the set. But maybe you were just out of position. Maybe the next rep you would have been fine mm. and been under that velocity threshold.
0: So, you know, it's not, it's not a perfect study. There's more it, skill that's required.
1: For these movements, absolutely.
0: Yeah. For free weight movements. Yeah.
1: But then there's also the downside of free weight, oh, sorry, with machines is that like just the ergonomics of them. Some bodies don't do great in certain machines. Like if you have really long arms and shorter legs, and the machine's designed for the bell curve of human bodies, you're not going to fit into that machine very well. And you might feel it in the wrong place, or just might you might not feel it properly. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't just work for everyone. But also good to go to complete failure. Have we spoken about that yet? No, that's a great point. Way safer. We kind of touched on it, but like, yeah, which you,
0: can be beneficial, from my understanding, particularly the more experienced you are with lifting, right. To take some sets, sure. Past, because we've spoken previously about what is an effective set, right? And uh, you know, we've spoken about the principle of trying to have like ten sets for a given body muscle group mm. in a week. Mm-hmm. Effective sets. Effective set being choosing a weight such that you only have a couple of reps in reserve couple of reps before failure mm-hmm. but there is an argument or a case to be made for taking some sets to complete failure yes and you're not going to do
1: that with a bench press. barbell back squat or a bench press or a bench press put on a machine so easy you don't no, have it's a safety thing safety you don't have to bail out <clears throat> and again you can just focus on stressing that muscle like when you're doing a heavy bench i don't know about you but if you're doing strength training on a bench press are you thinking about mind-muscle connection? Like, are you really trying to squeeze your pecs and are you really able to focus on the muscle contracting when you're also worried about the bar path? And if I fail, how do I get out of this mess, mm. right? It's not a machine. Just go as hard as you can, focus on the muscle. If you fail, you just let go, nothing happens. So it's cool. Yeah, I think it's like if people just if people are interested in how to program and they're thinking, oh, well, you know, I wanted to bench today but there's no bench press – should i do a machine press instead will i still get the benefits yes probably yes Um, so if you want to work your way around the gym and think about easy ways to do exercise swaps it doesn't always have to be free weight swap for a free weight swap you can swap one for a machine or vice versa
0: if you've tuned in to the many episodes i've done focusing on cardiovascular disease the leading cause of death globally to optimize your health and longevity. Your data tells the story of your health. With Inside Tracker, get to know your story and create a lifestyle that delivers better health for longer. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. To get started and redeem this offer, go to insidetrackercom forward slash Simon. That's insidetrackercom forward slash Simon. Yeah, can we tell me why there's a bowl of walnuts? Maybe we talk about the Omega 3, Omega 6 episode Mm. with Philip Calder. Let's get into it. Which will be out by the time people listen to this episode. Okay. So they will have uh, heard everything that Professor Calder had to share with us, which I thought was a really, really interesting episode. And. Long story short, he took us through what omega-3 and 6 fats are, the fact that they're essential. So unlike monounsaturated fats and saturated fats, which our body can synthesize endogenously within the body, omega-3 fats uh, or omega-3 and omega-6 fats are considered essential, Mm -hmm. at least the short-chain versions of these. So on the omega-3 side alpha-linolenic acid which is abbreviated to ala so that's what we'll call it from here on Mm -hmm. and on the omega-6 side linoleic acid which is la Mm -hmm. and because they're essential our body cannot make these we have to get them through our diet and there's a whole lot of interesting questions about these essential fats particularly in different contexts so he walked us through The two different pathways, and how the body takes those, the omega 3 and the omega 6 that I just mentioned Mm -hmm. from food and converts them into longer chain forms which are bioactive. So, on the omega 3 side, you consume, let's say I eat these walnuts, Mm -hmm. they contain ALA, which is that omega 3. And my body will convert some of that into DHA and EPA, which are the long-chain omega-3s people may be familiar with that are found in fatty fish, fish oil supplements, algal oil supplements, etc. And there's been great debate for a long time as to how well will my body convert that ALA into DHA and EPA. And the reason that's important is that, and this is not conclusive, and we spoke about this, but it seems the primary role of ALA if not the only role, is to act as a precursor to DHA and EPA. Mm -hmm. Not that ALA itself has any direct uh, effect on our physiology. Right. So the question there is, are you able to convert enough of the ALA into DHA and EPA? That becomes more important if I'm not consuming a direct source of DHA and EPA. Okay. So... If I'm eating these walnuts, but I'm also eating fatty fish, as we spoke about in the episode, and he recommended sort of two or three times a week mm-hmm. to get one gram of DHA and EPA a day, which was his recommendation. One gram of EPA or? Total, total, combined. Yeah. One gram of EPA and DHA, okay, which are the long chain omega-3s. So, what would be in a You would need fish? to... He said two or three serves of fatty fish a week. Now, I went away and looked at this. So, salmon, mackerel, sardines, these types of fish. Mm-hmm. Two is not really going to get you to that level. Two right. per week. It's really three or four from what I could see.
2: Okay.
0: Now, not many people would be doing that. Yeah, fish four times a week. Yeah. No. Uh, no. That would be a very, very small percentage of the population. Yeah. Uh, so... For many, many, many people, how well they're converting the ALA omega-3 in the foods they eat, so walnuts or chia seeds or flax seeds or hemp seeds, these types of foods, mm-hmm. into DHA and EPA is going to be really important, Yeah. unless they're supplementing. Right. So we've talked through all of these different contexts in the, in the episode, and omega-6s get a lot of negative bad press Mm. Um, most of the outcome study studies and this has come up in previous episodes with matthew nagra and the debate that he did with tucker goodrich but in numerous other episodes with dr jill carvalho looking at cardiovascular disease when when you look at comparing saturated fats to to polyunsaturated fats and in most of these studies the polyunsaturated fats are, are essentially predominantly omega-6s mm-hmm. linoleic acid you see huge benefits swapping saturated fats for polyunsaturated fats yeah. in terms of you know, outcomes we care about mm-hmm. like a reduction in risk of cardiovascular events but the, the really interesting thing for people to think about is if you're not getting enough direct source of DHA and EPA yeah these bioactive omega-3s that have a number of beneficial properties in the body. Your conversion of ALA into DHA and EPA could be negatively affected by consuming too many omega-6s. And the reason for that is there are enzymes that take omega-3s and omega-6s, alpha linoleic acid, alpha-linolenic acid, and linoleic acid, and convert them into the longer chain forms. Mm-hmm. And those enzymes are shared between uh, the two pathways.
1: Right. So if you're having if you're eating a lot of omega sixes, you're not util- those enzymes are
0: busy. So let's say, so right. again, coming back to me, I've got these walnuts in front of me. Uh-huh. Let's say I have no direct source of DHA and EPA. Yep. I don't eat fish, and let's pretend that I'm not supplementing. Yep. I do supplement.
1: Yeah.
0: And and I eat their walnuts, but in the context of a diet where I have a lot of omega-6s because i am consuming a lot of seed oils vegetable Cooking oils canola
1: oil and whatever.
0: Well canola oil is really low okay in bad example. Omega 6s. So what would what would
1: a high omega 6 oil be?
0: Sunflower oil. Okay. Corn oil. Right. Those types of oils. Canola oil is an exception it's very rich in monounsaturated fats. Right. It's very similar to olive oil in yeah. terms of its fat profile but it has a little more um ALA right. omega 3s. But canola is a bad rap. Does it needs it needs another uh, PR yeah. agency, yeah. a better one? Sure. So let's say that I have those walnuts in the context of that background diet, yep. a lot of omega six rich seed oils. I may not be very good at converting that ALA to DHA and EPA. Interesting. So in this context, what what should I do? Mm. Well, I I think a lot of people will fall into this category that are listening. Yeah. And they might not necessarily be people that are not eating seafood, mm. but I think there's a lot of people that are not having three or four serves of fatty fish a week. Sure. Yeah. So, so if you're not having three or four serves of fatty fish a week, right. then you're relying on some of the ALA that you're consuming being converted into yep. DHA and EPA. Yep. And if you have too much omega-6 in the diet, that might not be happening. Mm. And there was some other things that he spoke about. Zinc deficiency could also affect this pathway too, mm-hmm. but- we focus mostly on, on omega-6s here for the moment. If you fall into that category, or I think
1: anyone should do this... Can I have a stab? Can I see if I can guess this? Yeah. Seeing as we're playing. Step one. Okay, step one. You can reduce your omega-6 intake and keep your ALA consumption the same. And what would you, would you do eat? before that? Well, before, okay, making so my brain's change, thinking, before making a change. Okay. So before changing what you're eating... And can can we supplement yet? Or is this can this does this count? You can approach this however. however
0: there's, there's no there's no well, let me just r- gi- there's no wrong give my thoughts. Actually, the there probably of, are some wrong yeah, answers. Yeah,
1: I'll try to give you a couple. <laughs> this is the, the the flow of my thoughts. You can either reduce your omega six, and then you'll hopefully convert a larger percentage of the ALA to omega three. Mm-hmm. You can increase. This is, could be how wrong. would you this, reduce your omega six? Let's get practical. Okay, if I'm drinking a lot of plant milks that are rich in all the oils you mentioned? Sunflower oil, sunflower, oil, sunflower oil. corn oil. So I'd look at the ingredients of those milks. Soybean oil. Soybean oil, all of those. If there is a lot in those milks, and I know that I'm having it in my smoothies, in cooking with it, whatever. A high, a high consumption of those plant milks, I would opt for ones that are lower in omega-6s, which there are some on, in the market for sure. Um, cooking oils... If I was cooking with sunflower oil and whatever else I would swap them out for olive oil or canola oil yeah and that's the same thing on those plant milks it can
0: be a l- little hard to to kind of work out exactly how much omega-6 is because often on the nutritional information so panel it, it doesn't you. say omega-6 it says saturated ingredients unsaturated or polyunsaturated right. but it's identify the ingredients yes. and try and look for ones that are using different types of oils like canola or, right. or olive
1: and then I think maybe this could be wrong. What if I keep my omega-6 intake the exact same, but I like triple my intake of ALA-containing foods, or eat fish—not that I do, but people do—and or take a supplement. So if you keep your this is a question, I guess. If you keep your omega-6 intake the same, is there like a threshold where no matter how much omega-3s you eat on the other side? It's capped. Your enzymes are not going to convert it. Mm. Or can you offset it by increasing your intake of walnuts, chia, hemp, and go like threefold what you would usually eat?
0: These are great questions. I would say before making any changes at all.
1: Yeah. Get a test.
0: Measure. Yeah. Damn it.
1: <laughs> should have known.
0: Right. Yeah. So before you intervene, where are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can have some intentionality behind Everything that you're doing, right. and then also because I there's not answers to all of the questions that you just put out, which right. are really good questions. At least you can make changes and then retest. Yeah, you got to know where you're starting from and see is it, are you are you shifting
1: the needle? Another question: Does everyone convert the same percentage of ALA to omega three? Like, are you no. a better converter than me? There or are is
0: different. There are differences for genetic. We right. know that pregnant women convert more. Okay. Probably because DHA and EPA are really important for the developing fetus. Right. Uh, there, are I spoke before about deficiencies, so certain deficiencies can okay. cause a, a reduction in so the conversion. If, so if, you, if you're right. overweight,
1: right? So you do the test.
0: So How omega do you do three the test? index. So oh, yeah. the test is called an omega three index. Uh, I did have one. I, I showed it on screen during the Philip Calder episode. Okay. So there's a brand I have nothing to do with them. It's called Omega Quant. I think it's Bill Harris's company. He was on the show previously. You can order that in a, in America. You can order it in Australia. I think it's about forty dollars mm-hmm. to do the test. Yep. They send out a kit. You do a, a sort of finger prick. It collects some blood. Okay. And you go to the post office. You send it off. And in your account online, it gives you your results. Right.
1: So that's measuring the omega three to six ratio, or yeah. just it just
0: measures the DHA and EPA content in yeah. red blood cells. Okay. And you want that to be at 8% or higher, mm-hmm. your omega-3 index. index—that's mm-hmm. That 8% or higher is associated with reduced risk of cardiovascular disease. Okay. And that's where you see Japanese populations at who have very low risk of cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. So start off with knowing where you're at, mm-hmm. okay? Because then that can help guide things. So if you and not consuming fatty fish and you're not supplementing with DHA and EPA and you're just eating chia and flax and walnuts sort of here and there you're not paying a huge amount of attention to the omega 6s in your diet mm-hmm. you're probably going to land at 4%. You might even be lower. Really. Now, some people hear that and and think and might be a bit worried. So say you're say you're eating a whole food plant-based diet I just want to kind of underscore something. We know that vegan uh, and vegetarians through cohort studies have lower risk of cardiovascular disease than omnivorous populations, mm-hmm. despite having an omega-3 index typically around 4%. A lot of people see that and, and think, well, why why even focus on optimizing omega-3 index? They already have lower risk of cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. The point is that they might even have lower risk they might right. do even better yes. if you also optimize this other yeah. aspect of of physiology
1: makes total sense
0: um so understand where you're at where your baseline's at yeah. and then you do have these different options how can you go about it so number one you could if you
1: want to eat fatty fish mm-hmm. or bivalves yep. three four times a week do you think it makes a difference where the fish is sourced like a wild salmon versus like a farm raised I don't think there's appreciable quality. differences you reckon
0: in terms of the DHA omega, omega 3 profile EPA. of certain fish from my understanding it's not enough to for that to be a huge right. deciding factor for someone because
1: I imagine a fish that's eating algae in the wild oceans would have a better profile but they'll than put fish it eating... into the food okay in the, in right the... so that even if they're feeding fish well, I don't know what they feed them in a fish farm like grain or.
0: Whatever. there's a book called toxic yeah Written by Richard Flanagan everyone should read this okay. uh, I don't want to be I'm not sort of condoning or recommending people consume fish yeah, I think there are huge problems with overharvesting of, of wild fish yeah. there's huge problems with farmed fish mm. you, know, you only have to read that book toxic mm. to understand what's happening down in Tasmania in the the farmed salmon yeah. the salmon farms yeah. and to understand that just because it's farmed fish doesn't mean it's not affecting the environment right there's huge environmental repercussions, right? And it's kind of one of those things where it's out of sight, out of and mind. ethical. But when you read that, book, quality
1: of life of those fish. Oh, I've seen that, I've yeah. seen videos of fish farms,
0: and it's just not a solution to have eight billion people eat three or four pieces of fatty fish a week, right, right? So, so we have to think elsewhere. And in this conversation, we actually spoke about there's some neat technology now. Looking at you, take a plant that produces ALA, like canola. And you can, and this freaks people out, but understand you're not going to be eating anything that's genetically modified, but you can genetically modify the plant. You're not going to eat the whole plant mm-hmm. to produce fats, which we will extract, yeah. to produce fats that are DHA and EPA. Okay. So you can insert, uh, I think you insert the genetic code for those enzymes yeah. that I mentioned before yeah. that convert ALA to DHA and wow. EPA. Into a plant that already makes ALA, Got it. and so that plant now makes DHA and EPA. Yeah. And you extract that. You're not extracting so any, any sort of yeah. genetically modified thing that you're consuming. Yep.
1: Because it's already doing it. You're just increasing right. the yield. So this is now
0: happening around the world. Wow. Right. It's it's in its infancy, but there are a number of companies looking at it. Yeah. Okay. So back to the individual. So you go yeah. and measure. Let's yep. say that you measure and it's at four percent. Yep. Okay. So your options are, you can go down the fish route if that feels right for you.
2: Yep.
0: You you can supplement. Again, it's, it's one gram per day
1: around that yep. of DHA and EPA. And just to be clear, with a supplement, the reason why that works is because it's got nothing to do now with the conversion using those enzymes. You're getting direct source mm-hmm. of EPA, DHA. So even if you're a yeah. shitty converter, you're going to get the direct source, right? So Exactly. So it doesn't matter how much omega-6 is in your diet now at that so, point. so is that... And, uh, and,
0: and and I asked him this, and that it seems there needs to be some more studies looking at this because a lot of the studies where you add omega-6 to a diet and measure inflammation are doing it on top of a background diet where there's already a lot of omega-6. Right. So he was of the view that there should be some studies looking at reducing omega-6, mm. looking at it in reverse. Stratify the groups into low um, intake, minimal. But, But certainly at this point, I think the general view is that omega-6s are not inherently a problem other than if they're competing for the enzymes right. and stopping you getting enough DHA and EPA. Okay. We need omega-6s, they're essential. Yep. So if you go direct to the source and and either that's through fatty fish or a supplement and you have enough DHA and EPA, then this issue of how many omega-6s are in your diet is arguably much less important to yep. even focus on. Yep. You only have to focus on that if you put your hand up and say, I'm not going to eat fish yep. and I'm also not going to supplement. right? Because now you have to take the ALA and the walnuts or the chia or the hemp, right. and convert enough uh-huh. to get enough DHA and EPA. So if you're supplementing one gram a day, yep. try glyceride or phospholipid form, which is what most of them are, all of the algal oil ones are. Mm-hmm. And you you do need to read the actual, um, the nutritional information on yep. the supplement. Yeah, Because often it will say that it's one gram total. Yeah. But underneath that, it might say that's 200 milligrams of DHA and 100 milligrams of EPA. The ratios are different. Well, th- the ratios could be different, and, yeah. and I'm not sure we know the perfect ratio. But what I'm getting at is you might take a one-gram supplement, but it's only 300 milligrams of DHA and EPA. I see. What, what we're talking about here is making sure that the daily intake of combined DHA and EPA— Yep. And I can't give an exact ratio. Should it be 60% DHA, 40% right. EPA— I don't think we understand that. I think looking you know usually there's a little bit more DHA yeah. in these supplements. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: And usually from from my understanding looking at uh, quite a few different brands it's, it's often 60%, 60-70% right. DHA, 30% EPA. Yep. But you get a gram of DHA and EPA as actual active amounts that are
1: in that yep. in supplement. the form we need it in. Yep. Yes.
0: And you can choose a fish oil, you can choose an, an algal oil. We have an oh. algal oil one here.
1: Yeah. So this, I've been taking this every day. I've never tested my omega three status. I now now I really want to do it. If you've got a spare kit, I'd love to. How long? How how long have you been taking it? I've uh, been taking
0: this probably for six months. Okay. So that's the other important thing is yeah. when you start supplementing or having yeah. a direct source of DHA and EPA, you you don't want to redo your test for at least four months. Yeah. That's how long it takes for the red blood cells to turn over. Okay. So, if you want to see the true effect that that supplement's having, right. wait for the the full life cycle of red of blood red cells blood cell. yep. so that you're now getting a clear indication as to how that supplement is affecting your overall yep. omega-3 status. Yeah,
1: That makes sense. Yeah. So, I've, I take, let's see, capsules. I think I take about two capsu- two to three capsules a day, which should give me my, just looking at the back here of this. So, this is the one I take. I mean, I don't know if people are watching but and if that's in focus, but a meal- Optimal Omega Plus. Um, And so it's algae oil. And the reason I choose algae oil is because, as you mentioned, I know that I'm voting with my dollar. I don't want to buy fish oil. Plus, this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but the EPA and DHA derived from algae oil is identical to the EPA and Mm -hmm. DHA from fish, right? And there are studies looking at absorption. Right. Right. Is there a difference? No difference. No difference. Right. So I choose algae oil. Um, this is giving me, I think the, it says here on the back, 800 milligrams. So, but it's it's about, per capsule, mm-hmm. it is
0: 375 milligrams of DHA and EPA. Right. And so when you have, the serving dose on here is one to four capsules. Yep. If you have, I have two capsules of this, which is 750 milligrams. Yep. I do But then too. I have multi, the essential eight. Same. Multi. They're the it? two supplements I have. Is that a gram, the essential eight? Essential eight is, Roughly. off the top of my head, I think it's, about three hundred milligrams. So we're we're pretty comfortably hitting that one one gram. One gram. You got to remember, Doctor or Professor Calder even says this is this is a an extrapolation. It's yeah. a loose recommendation around one gram. Yep. You know, the vital study which looked at primary prevention, a supplement <coughs> intervention was eight hundred and forty milligrams of DHA and EPA, okay. and there was benefit for in the subgroup analysis for low fish intake. Mm-hmm. Um, subjects. Yeah. So, you know, I've previously recommended trying to get around eight forty milligrams. Right. He says a gram. So that's like your ballpark. But remember,
1: you have to measure. Right. So because and it's the, in the it's in the context of your personal diet and your personal conversion ability. Mm. So you can't have a blanket recommendation. And some of
0: that's to do with body fatness, right? Genetics, how much omega sixes are in your diet, yeah. Uh, micronutrient status, right? So the best thing to do is use that as a ballpark. Yeah. Let's say 840 milligrams to around a gram of yeah. DHA and EPA. Do your test first. If, if you're not at 8%, think about optimizing. Yeah. And, and just to kind of summarize the different options you have, it is fatty fish three or four times a week. It's fish oil or algal oil, yeah. like this one from a uh, meal. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to go down those routes, this is where you now have to start thinking about reducing omega-6s in your diet so there's less of that competition for the enzymes yeah what you're trying to do by lowering omega-6 in the diet so if you instead of cooking with soybean oil or sunflower oil you move to a canola or an olive oil instead of buying a plant milk with a soybean oil you buy uh, a plant milk that doesn't have any
1: oils in it Mm. you're trying to free up the enzymes yeah so 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 basically i was so wrong about Even if you boost, you can eat all the walnuts in the world. If you are having a high intake of omega six, likely those that intake is going to interfere with the ability for those enzymes to convert. So, like, you you can't just out eat the omega sixes in your diet by boosting the chia seeds. My assumption would be there's there's kind of like a a fixed amount of the enzymes. Right. That's what how I would understand it as well. But yeah, that's that's physiology. That's next level. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. So.
0: I don't think there's a specific studies that have looked at that. Because the reason I say up, this... If you just yeah, crank up, let's crank say up. you have 10 to 20 tablespoons of chia seeds
1: a day. Right. But the, the reason I say this is because there's this old sort of, you know, it's been floating around forever. It's about omega-3 to 6 ratio. Mm. And a ratio implies that it doesn't matter what the absolute amount is, as long as you have a ratio, meaning, let's say, far more omega-3 or ALA-containing foods compared to omega-6... That as long as you get the ratio optimized, you should be healthy and fine. But now I'm thinking... I think it's the absolute
0: amount right. of omega-6s so that's probably most important. And I'm just not sure that that's going to be the best strategy anyway if you crank up ALA to crazy high levels. Yeah, to a, do that, it's going to be so many calories coming from these foods, food, which yeah. is what's, what's that doing in terms of the foods that it's now removing, right. pushing out of your diet.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like an optimal strategy, that one. Mm. So... So this is yeah. just like a like taking a supplement is just like a great way to bulletproof mm-hmm. it, even if you don't test. Let's say people don't want to test. Do you recommend to just may as well just take a supplement anyway, just to be sure? If you're not going to test, yeah, then
0: one hundred percent, I w- I would be having a direct source of DHA and EPA. Yeah. So you just have peace of mind. Yes. Because if you're not going to test, then you have no idea. You you could have very, very poor conversion. Mm. Your omega-3 status could be well below four,
1: right? which we know
0: increases risk of cardiovascular disease and probably
1: neurodegenerative diseases right. as well. It would be cool to see a comparison of, like like let's think of like the economics of this, fish intake, four pieces of fish a week, mm. ongoing for say six months, or whatever, four months, versus supplement for four months,
0: no fish intake. This works out to be a little bit under a dollar- Australian
1: per day if you have two capsules.
0: Right. Which is... But that's with... 70 right. US cents or maybe less at the moment. Yeah.
1: It's about the price of... It's buying a Coca-Cola right. every right day. But you're investing in your health with a, a simple caps. Mm. Yeah. That's with the with the discount code, right? I, I'm not sure if... Is that... Because Emil are kind enough to sponsor us and obviously we're ambassadors. Um, and they're providing a code if people want... What's the want. code? The code was... <laughs> Amiga Plus. Amiga Plus. Yeah, so if people want to get a subscription, get this delivered. Amiga Plus, delivered to your door. Um, and it feels like a massive but, sales pitch, but... I know, I know. But really... it's Yeah, it's like a no-brainer. And it's a 25% discount No-brainer. It's a, it's, a, oh, it's a good Oh, how good pun. is that? That's a good punchline. Yes. It's a great pun. Yes. Uh, yeah, so you get twenty five percent off. Use right. the code Omega Plus if people want this. If you don't, you do but it. suit yourself. There's 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 lots of different there's fish
0: oils and algal oils on the market. You can shop around. We'll put the yeah. link and the and the discount yeah. in there. Uh, I don't think you'll get it cheaper than that.
1: No. And what would it cost, I mean? I don't know. Though. I don't eat fish, but I'm assuming to buy fish. How, what what would a piece of salmon cost? The other thing Four about this is away. that this is TGA listed,
0: right? Right. Which means that it's manufactured in a facility that is under very strict regulations right. some of the strictest regulations in the world
1: so do you think that this industry in some places isn't regu- regulated well so yeah like, so you, you might buy a getting. supplement
0: and not know and what's on the pack is not actually what's in there you're right then you're going to be disappointed when you measure your omega-3 index right.
1: Yeah, interesting uh,
0: price of fish
1: yeah price piece of salmon for four pieces of you are asking the wrong I know I know <laughs> I'm assuming a piece it's gotta be at least fifteen to twenty bucks for a piece of fish, right? I don't know. I
0: have no idea. <laughs> it just seems But more I expensive. can tell you how much an egg burrito costs.
1: <laughs> and a tofu scramble. No, an egg burrito. This might land me in hot water. Uh oh. Go on. Is this this, a this might
0: get it off the chest. Is it? Let me hear this. I mean I wanna know what you do in this scenario. You ate an egg. I ate an egg burrito.
1: Clip that soundbite. bite. <laughs>
3: So,
0: what happened? I'm at a place in in LA. This is a few months back. I'm sharing it because I want your feedback Mm -hmm. and maybe the feedback of the community as well. Feel free to go as hard on me as you want. So, I order. I go in there to this grocery store called Air One. Have you been in there? Yeah, I've been there. I emptied my life savings. (laughs) Very easy to do. It's a, a marvelous place, but super expensive. Yeah. I, go, I went in there. I often would train and then go in there with Nimai. Mm-hmm. And he actually introduced me to this burrito. It's plant-based burrito. <laughs> so this is Nimai's fault. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm blaming him. Yeah. Anyway, on this occasion, wasn't with Nimai. I was there with another friend. And I ordered the plant-based burrito. And so did she, actually.
1: Hmm. What's and, meant to
0: be in it? And so we... What's meant to be in it is... Tofu It's like tofu scramble. I think there is some type of plant-based meat maybe in there. Right. It's completely vegan. Right. right. It's called plant-based burrito. Yeah. I went in there, read the sign. I ordered that, a couple of them. Got some other food. We went outside and and started eating. I unwrapped it. I bit into it. And she was also eating hers. Both of us had been given an egg burrito. Mm -hmm.
1: I've bitten into this at this stage. What do you do? I eat the burrito. Right. Enjoy every mouthful of it. I grew up eating eggs. I enjoy the flavor of them. I didn't stop eating them because I don't like how they taste. I stopped eating them because I don't want to pay for that industry to exist. And I'm also not that worried about the health impact of eating eggs, especially a one-off meal. So if the damage had been done, you paid for it, you did what you did, enjoy your burrito, mate. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's what I did. Good boy. I hate the burrito. Good on him. That's sensible. Think about how dumb, what's the other option? I mean, the other option is
0: you go in there, it goes in the bin and then you get something else. So you just wasted the egg. You haven't achieved anything. And I'm with you in that I don't think eggs are are unhealthy. They can be part of a healthy diet. Especially... And a one-off... One meal's off. not going to hurt me. Yeah. The other yeah, so for me it was a relatively easy decision. Easy decision. Right? It was an easy decision at the time. I wasn't with like a group of people where someone was was who hadn't ordered food was like oh, I'll eat that. Yeah. Instead of going in and buying something. Right. And just in reflection, I thought about it, I was like oh, I wonder I wonder what the community would think
1: about that. Mate, to me, you you're still vegan even if you do that. Even if you're an ethical activist. And someone or you order something and it comes wrong. The other option is worse: food waste. So throwing the burrito in the bin—that's just stupid, because they're not going to resell it. They're not going to eat it themselves. The staff—it's going in the bin. Why would you waste it? Unless you really feel like you can't stomach it. Like I know people who literally can't stomach anything that has an animal in it. Fine, then you, you can throw it away if you really want, or give it to a homeless person, or find a way to get rid of it. But I still think: what is the definition of veganism? To reduce pain and suffering as
0: far as practically possible
1: to me it is practical that's a that's a situation I'm not context. sure if that's actually the definition it's very close that's I close. think it is that's very close <laughs> but to me what you do there that is a practical way to solve that problem you, yeah. you, you're going out for lunch anyway you, you're going to eat something you've spent the money you voted with your dollar now something has to happen with that burrito okay. ending let's, up in the bin is let's a do another hypothetical more. okay
0: you're traveling we might, You might not have an answer to this. You might need to think about it. Maybe mm-hmm. you do. You're traveling. You're in a remote kind of location. Maybe you're with a group. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't have control over the, the menu or the catering. They understand your dietary preferences, but there's only so much local food around to kind of accommodate for you. Let's say it's you're away for a month. Mm-hmm. And your option is to eat like everyone else does for that month, Mm -hmm. whatever the local foods are, they get served up and some of them will contain animal foods or it's to not eat any animal foods, but you're going to be essentially served, you know, bare bones type dishes, lettuce and carrots, (laughs) (laughs) no protein at all. Yeah. Or very minimal protein, right? Uh, for for the duration. you're basically
1: eating the garnish that the other people are having. You on get the their side fish. plate,
0: so yeah. whatever they they had as their Another side bit, plate, yeah. that's what you're given, right. In maybe a little bit bigger volume, yeah. Like a sliced zucchini, your, as your main. yeah. Places that are not accustomed to kind of serving nutritionally adequate, yeah, uh, plant-based meal meals. So, how do you approach that?
1: Do you want me to put my neck out? I will. <laughs> honestly okay this is what I'm thinking so I'm on holiday part of the reason I'm on holiday is for the enjoyment I've got one life here right if they have catered for a set amount of people 40 people okay like let's say for example let's say here's a nice little addition to the hypothetical you're, it's an island you're, you're in Fiji you're on an island okay they are catering every day for the 40 people that are on that island and they are getting their fish from a line caught, like they're literally catching it right out the front of your island. You're eating a traditional cuisine, a special you know, Fijian dish with these people that you're trying to have a good experience with. They're catching it anyway. The fish is there. I can be honest, I would be very tempted to eat that fish. Mm. right? Now, obviously, I don't cook fish at home. I don't buy it. I know that fish is healthy. We just spoke about it. So I know that on a personal, selfish level, I'm going to get health benefits. I know it's only four weeks. I could, yes, I could starve for four weeks. I could have no protein for four weeks and I'm going to be just fine. I won't probably, I, you know, I'm not going to lose that much muscle. I don't even care. Yes, I could do that. The other option is you eat the fish with everybody else that's line caught in a sustainable way. Ethics aside, It's you know, you decide to do it mm. so you can enjoy your experience for those four weeks. I think there's something to be said about, let's say that
0: you don't do that and for the four weeks, you just eat the, the side salad. Yeah, yeah. The example that that's setting. Right. You can look at this from both ways, so cause ways. You can look at it from the other way and saying the example of staying true to your values yeah, is yes. a very good example yes. to set. Yes. But then you can say, okay, if I'm going to sit there, well, the, you know, vibes are up and I'm just eating this little side salad and everyone's watching that. Yeah. Is, is that going to be inspiring?
1: Cake. Am I going to inspire
0: yeah. them to even think about eating more plant-based, right. or are they going to look at it and think yeah. that just seems like he's sacrificing so much joy for a label, for a label, and it's too restrictive? Right. I th- I personally think more is to be gained by uh, kind of being a little more relaxed, loosen up a in little that bit. environment, right. not trying to be perfect. Right and but still communicating saying you know i'm 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 eating like this here to enjoy myself yeah. and and enjoy this this moment with everyone here um because there is a restricted food available yeah. but as soon as i go back to my own environment when there's so Same. many different food options available i actually don't eat like this yes. and and you know they might say
1: why yeah and it opens a conversation up okay can i make a confession now <laughs> what's funny about did i this? just
0: make you feel really comfortable yes now i'm ready to <laughs> confess yeah. this was not
1: planned oh my God. this is so funny that example was like deja vu <laughs> I'm just gonna share this with everybody real quick so I was in Israel last year group of 15 of us I think I it was I remember the trip 10 to 15 I people I was meant to be there that's right yes amazing trip what a place anyway 15 of us massive farmer I was plant based and I'm, I am plant based and I was plant based for pretty much the whole thing right everywhere I went I chose plant based options I made sure that there was and it was easy right it was really easy to be plant based There was this one day that we went to a restaurant, which was um, sort of like an isolated region, just a beautiful setting. We were at a table, all 20 of us, right? I don't know if it was 20. It was a a big number. And we were getting served like a basically share plates for the table. And everyone else was, most of them were were eating animal foods. There was a couple of guys who were plant-based, myself included. And all this food would come to the table and they were bringing so much food, like excessive amount of food right and a lot of the plates were going back to the kitchen uneaten so i pulled the waiter aside and i said mate what are you throwing these out he's like yeah we we throw them out and i'm thinking that is such a shame like there's literally like a platter of like sashimi and then like fish and oysters mussels whatever it was going back to the kitchen uneaten and it goes into a bin so in that moment i was i saw the fish in front of me i knew he like i love fish i used to eat it all the time like we said, I know it's healthy. And I saw the sashimi. I'm like, this is going in the bin. We've paid for it. The damage is done. I ate the fish. How would you feel? How would you feel? Well, it tasted good. And it was just, it wasn't amazing. Like it wasn't good enough that I would like add it back into my life on a daily basis. But in that moment, I enjoyed it. I didn't feel guilty because I knew that it was going in a, in a bin anyway.
0: And what did the group
1: think? I, so I said to the group, yeah, so... Of course, there were lots of eyes on me, and I Mm -hmm. knew that I was going to get. Because I think people might
0: start to almost criticise you in that.
1: You're not vegan anymore, you. Right. Firstly, I never said I was vegan. Right. I eat a plant based diet. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm known for. Which is what I say as well. But there's a huge ethical component in that, right? The reason I'm plant based is a lot of it is ethics. But in that context, I chose to eat the fish because I knew it was going into a bin. So I said to everyone exactly that. I go, guys, listen. I don't order fish at restaurants. I don't cook fish at home. I don't eat animal products. In this situation with these people who are my friends, who I love, who are having a good time, I chose to do it so that I could experience the same experience that they were having. And in my opinion, I don't think that I, I – it doesn't feel like I went against my morals and values, to be honest, in that position, seeing as the fate of that meal was going to be in the bottom of a trash can. So I ate it. and I, I felt, think in the felt moment okay. – Net positive, net negative. Mm.
0: If you come back to that. So I yeah. think in that moment, that's a net positive. Right.
1: The food didn't go to waste. It's a similar scenario to, to the egg burrito. I know what people will say about this though, and I had this thought myself. It becomes a slippery slope for others. If you're setting an example of, hey, sometimes in the right context, I'll dabble. Where do you draw the line? If it's not black and white, where do you draw the line? How often do you do that per year? Do you you know, break your rule of being plant-based 50 times per year because social life ah, my friends are here so then it becomes a bit blurry right so people might look you and go oh that that's really like that's cool that you can be plant-based 99% of the time to
0: you yeah as the individual yes you
1: know your values
0: right yes and you know if it's the exception or you're just using that as an excuse
1: yeah right yeah and so you could abuse that that's what I mean that line of thinking that's what I mean I, th- I think some people will talk themselves into eating way more animal foods per year than they probably should based on that line of thinking so it, it is it's murky because then there's other situations where again I'll be at a friend's house for dinner and I'm the only person plant based and it's a buffet style thing and again there's fish or something's going to go in the bin and I'm thinking should I set an example here in this position or should I you know cave in and it's it's hard you know it's 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 a tough one i don't think there's a right answer i think a lot of vegans will obviously choose the hard line black Mm -hmm. and white no you don't do it you don't eat animals other people who maybe eat a plant-based diet for other reasons like health reasons if you're going to branch out i think doing it with fish or seafood is probably better than doing it with meat like if it was steak i I don't know why for some reason i don't think i would have done it i don't know why i feel like that i actually don't enjoy eating anymore but with the fish, I just decided in that moment to do it in front of 20 people who were social media influencer people. Cameras were out. Man, I knew that this was a, a big call and I went for it. I were there the any way.
0: conversations after that?
1: No. no people not didn't, really. Not really. Went away. And then the next morning, I was eating plant-based while they weren't and I, the next lunch, same again. And mm-hmm. for the rest of the trip, I was back to what I was doing. Mm. It was one meal, you know. Let's see the backlash after that confession. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. a
0: flexible plant-based approach yeah. it's a little less restrictive i really would be interested to hear what people think about that in the comments yeah it'll ruffle some feathers I know. but okay. i think there'll be a lot of other people
1: out there who have a similar approach actually felt really nice just voicing that <laughs> yeah but just it is it, it can be a slippery slope it is a slippery slope But we're just, we're you're just right that's those. that's
0: where the hard line is easier no and, way. and if i think back to to my kind of personality it's mm. where the hard line Suits it you. works. Mm. It works. It does. On a, it, it just stops that. Yeah. That those foods sliding back in. Right. And the it's volume just of not them. Not on
1: the menu. Simple. It's not on the menu. I don't consume it, no matter what. But I mean, I'm not going to put you on the spot. But I'm just going back to your situation, like if you found yourself in a position of, you know, on a group trip, 40 people, four weeks, would you be concerned about losing muscle? Would you be concerned about not getting certain micronutrients or protein or amino acids? Or would you care about more the ethical side of it? Like where does your where do you where do you lie in that sort of like moral dilemma of it? Is it more about health? So you would be thinking, ah, oh, really? I've put in all this hard. I'm work not thinking about it. health. Right. So much for four weeks. Four weeks. Like I'm gonna probably take a
0: multivitamin. Right. I might even have some protein. That I <laughs> yeah, like with. like sachets of protein <laughs> powder. I'm not gonna or have a protein deficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in four weeks. To be honest, more what I'm thinking about and maybe this is me caring too much about what other people think. But the way that I rationalize it is if I am just sitting there eating salad and carrots and and I'm not setting a good example oh, to miserable. these people. So yeah. if I'm with people that I respect and I want to inspire, right. then... Maybe a more relaxed approach in that environment is going to be more conducive to opening up conversations mm. and actually inspiring some change. Right. As opposed to them looking at me and thinking, gosh, that's so
1: boring. I could that never do that. Miserable vegan sitting on his own, munching on a carrot.
0: Right. So <laughs> I play devil's yeah. advocate, and I mentioned it before. Yeah. The other thing, maybe some people might look at it and go, wow, I really admire the the ability for someone to stick, stay strong to their core values like yeah. that. That's it's impressive. Impressive, too. Yeah. Right. So, I don't have a perfect answer for that. Yeah. It's something that if I was in that situation, I probably would need to try it on.
1: Yeah. And see
0: how you, I feel. feel. I want to see conversations, how people react.
1: Right. I haven't been it's in that hard. position before. Yeah, it's a tough one. What about forget about the people what they think about you? What about the enjoyment of the experience of being in another country and another culture? So going back to that Fiji example, so there's a dish in Fiji where it's like, a, I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically it's like fish in a coconut with lime and it's is well-known as a Fijian staple and they eat it every single day. They serve it to the guests. It's always there. Do you think you could experience Fijian culture without experiencing the cuisine side of their culture and just enjoy the everything else that they have to offer, like the music and sport and they love rugby and guitar mm. But where and do you draw the
0: line? Do you go to Argentina and just have huge steaks? Ah, that's a part of their culture right yeah exactly but animal food's part of almost every culture
1: yeah Yeah. it's a good point I don't give a lot of thought to that Mm.
0: personally yeah so you can enjoy I think I can still enjoy time with those people and connect with those people I agree without having to eat that dish
1: I agree and perhaps like you say if people are because people are going to be in this position and I'm sure there are vegans that are I mean I felt in this position with my dog even what do I feed my dog Mm. I don't have animals in my house in terms of edible animals in my house I've got a dog that lives in my house but I don't have food animal foods in my house because I am plant-based and I don't want to support certain industries but I care about my dog more than anything mm. I can't make can't force my dog to be plant-based because I maybe I'm wrong people are going to correct me mm. mention it in the comments if you want I don't know if a plant-based diet is okay for dogs some people think it is some people think that it's terrible but because I'm not comfortable with it, I feed my dog animal foods, small amounts, and a lot of plants as well. But some of his diet is animal foods, and that became a moral dilemma. It's like, like how does a vegan have a dog or a pet cat? Cat, think about a cat, because they're. I think I might be wrong that they are obligatory carnivores. Mm-hmm. How can you be vegan and have a cat if the, if you have an option to well, not this, have a cat?
0: I think I think truly ethical vegans would say. Pet, just having pets in general is a problem. <laughs> yeah, and we're increasing pain and suffering by domesticating these animals.
1: But then, if you rescue, like if you I, rescue, I know a vegan, I'm not going to name the person, obviously, but I know an ethical, very well known vegan on social media and in that world who rescued a cat. Tick, that's great, great for the animal, but feeds it meat because it's a cat and needs to eat meat to be healthy. Because he loves his cat and wants it to be healthy but he obviously loves the life of his cat a little bit more than he likes the life of the cow sardines. or the cat or the sardines or whatever they eat, right? So is it an ethic, Is it a vegan decision to just not rescue the cat? What's more vegan? <laughs> rescuing the cat or not rescuing the cat because you have to feed it another animal? There's a moral dilemma. Answer that, somebody. It's hard, man. Like, this is hard. with mm. all these decisions, you know? We're just trying to... I
0: mean, in, in the moment when you can see the
1: cat... You rescue the cat. Okay. And then you feed it meat for the rest of its life. And that's out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> that's a sad reality. There's no right
0: answer. That's a sad reality. There's no right answers here. Interesting yeah. thought experiments though. But if there was mo- a lot less domesticated animals. Yeah, I hear you. But then there could also be less happiness.
1: For us. Yeah. <laughs> and then then we try to rank I mean, happiness. Yeah. Us versus okay. the animals that we we are saving. Animals definitely bring a lot of joy and happiness. Right. Oh, imagine a life without immeasurable oh my god I actually I would sign I'm I'm not up for that I'm out yeah I'm out I'm tapping out
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys no puppies oh gosh I mean like if we're in a simulation
1: thank god they added puppies yes they're just the best anyway that was me. I didn't think we were going to talk about ethical veganism but there we go (laughs) there we go
0: oh where do we go from that I had I had a video to play for you actually okay Show us. So this is, this is kind of a, a get it off your chest. Okay. That, that egg burrito was somewhat of a get it off your
1: chest. That's how this started. I forgot about that. The egg burrito. I ate an yeah, egg burrito. You had an egg burrito.
0: <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm not vegan it's, anymore. But you're vegetarian. I'm definitely. I, I guarantee there'll be people in the comments saying yeah, he's not vegan anymore. He's not vegan anymore. Yeah.
1: At least you ate an egg. I ate a freaking. That's still fish.
0: classified. I'm still. I'm still plant based. Yeah. Vegetarian. Still plant-based. No problem, guys.
1: If you knew how many eggs I'd eaten before becoming plant-based, you would not believe it. I am not carnivore. I can no, say that. you can definitely say that. I used to eat three <laughs> eggs a day every day. 20, really? 21 eggs a week. Yeah. Okay. So, speaking right. of carnivore. Yeah, what do we got here?
0: We have Dr. Anthony Chafee. He recently did a some sort of interview um, titled Arguing Dr. Chafee Against the Carnival Diet. So I think someone else, he was debating. And he mentions me. Oh, really? Let me so that's see. Why it's, I, that's this why I juicy. want to play this. I like this.
4: What lions have been eating for the last 2 million years is what lions are supposed to eat. What koalas have been eating for the last however long they've been eating eucalyptus is what they're supposed to eat, right? So this is this is what you're biologically designed and adapted to eat. You can't eat something for 2 million years, survive as a species, and thrive as a species if you are not already biologically evolved to it and designed to, to eat it, or you have then become optimized to it it just doesn't work like that that's just not how biology works and so i've I've heard this this argument um from simon hill which i just thought was insane he's like oh yeah well you know yeah you know i'm not arguing that you know people you know, have been eating meat for 2 million years, but, you know, it's probably not optimal, probably suboptimal. This thing that we've never eaten before in hum- human history, that, I, you know, that, that's definitely better uh, because, you know, some study said so, like, I just don't care. You know, you don't understand biology from a fundamental level mm-hmm. during the ice ages, what, what plants were available to eat exactly, you know, what were people eating when they crossed the land bridge through the Arctic circle in the last, last ice age to cross from Asia into North America? What 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 yams were available then? You know, where where was the honey and fruit and manna from God? You know, no, there was you there was meat, and that's what you were eating. And you know, you cannot just barely survive an ice age, right? You know, if, if the you know the Simon Hill theory of like, oh well, everyone was just dying and getting heart disease and cancer and all that so No, no, no record of that, absolutely no evidence of that. It's pure supposition that is a pure, pure, pure uh, accusation with a baseless accusation. Um, You know, all these people were just dying off and things like that, getting cancer and all that sort of stuff. No, because if they were, they would be too sick to survive and thrive during an ice age. You cannot just eke out an existence. You know, a bunch of people on life support and chemo are not making it through an ice age when you have to hunt mammoths and fight off saber toothed cats and ice bears and things like that. You know, that's not, that's not going to work. Wait, wait, wait. Okay.
1: You didn't say that so hold on a second
0: i've never claimed that (laughs) people were dying our ancestors were dying of heart disease and cancer you know these are mostly modern diseases yeah and what was killing our ancestors was the harsh conditions that they were living in right infections or predation uh, predation from other species or being attacked from other tribes yeah things of, of of that nature um But where he and I very strongly disagree is I don't think that we can assume that a diet that allows us to procreate and expand as a species is necessarily the same diet that is best for, or is automatically a good diet for maximizing or optimizing healthspan and longevity. Mm -hmm. So if longevity is our goal going back to the fossil records and just looking at what humans <laughs> may or may not have been eating right is maybe not the best place for us to go <laughs> particularly right. when we have all of this modern science looking at nutrition and chronic disease risk yeah. longevity how long people are actually um, living so even then, you know, going back and trying to identify what did humans actually eat, mm. right, he follows a carnivore diet and he, he's kind of taking this position that humans used to eat you know, predominantly meat or all meat-based yeah. diets. And that is hugely debated. Right. You know, I had Herman Ponser on the show yeah. who was an evolutionary anthropologist. Mm-hmm. That's all he studies. Mm. He wrote a book called Burn. And I think Dr. Chafee could maybe interview him mm. or read his book Burn. And when you look at his work, and he's, he's gone and lived with the Hadza, but he's also researched the Chamane and tribes that are no longer around and looked at multiple things, looked at the diet and the contribution of carbohydrates, protein, and fats. Mm-hmm. And I have a table here from a 2018 study that Herman Poncer authored. And in table one, he actually goes through and looks at the Hadza, the Chamane the Shuar, which is another tribe, uh, and compares them to Americans and looks at the contribution of energy from carbs, fat, and protein to the diet. And then he also looks at their LDL, their cholesterol levels, including LDL. Mm-hmm. The hard 65% of calories of the, for the hard on average, comes from carbohydrates. Mm. Which equals plants. Right? So, oh. Anthony, Dr. Chafee there, was suggesting that I'm proposing that you know, people consume some new foods that we haven't consumed for millions of years. Humans have always consumed plant foods. This tribe here is getting 65% of their calories from carbohydrates. That means much more than 65% of their calories are coming from plants because there's also protein and fats coming from plants. Mm -hmm. The Chimane gets 72% of their calories from carbohydrates. Mm. Americans, 46%. 46%. So, Americans are consuming a low-carbohydrate diet oh. relative to the Hadza and the Chimane. Wow. If you look at that, oh, yeah, this data. Now, the other interesting thing here is Dr. Chafee will, will, and others like Paul Saladino will often point to the Hadza. Right. Right. Not only will they get that wrong, yeah. that there's a huge amount of carbohydrates in their diet, but you won't hear them talking about their LDL cholesterol levels. Mm-hmm. What do you think the average LDL cholesterol level is in
1: in the Hudson? I would say it would fall outside of our, like, is it what range are we talking? Like the
0: milligrams per deciliter. So the the average Americans is 135. I'm milligrams
1: guessing per deciliter. that it's outside of the lower part of our normal range. Like it's low. <laughs> so basically.
0: if anyone can recall <laughs> <That's quite good. laughs> the seven hours that I did with Dr. Tom, Thomas Day Spring, yeah, basically when. LDL cholesterol is sort of 70 milligrams per deciliter or lower. Yeah, People really don't get atherosclerosis. Right. And you can see that best in the genetic Mendelian studies mm-hmm. where people have a genetic mutation at birth, super low LDL cholesterol. Yeah. They, they just don't get atherosclerosis. The LDL cholesterol level on average in the heart's are. Heart, this is in table one, is 62 milligrams per deciliter. What does that tell you about their diet? Right. It has to be high fiber. It has to be low in saturated fats. Right. It is not the diet that Dr. Chafee or Dr. Saladino are putting forth. Yes. Forward yes. At all.
1: Well, the other gaping hole in that argument where he contradicts himself is I'd bet you if you said, a humans omnivores? He would say yes. Right? Which means we can eat animals and plants. Right? Mm-hmm. Would you think he would agree with that? Yes. He has then chosen to have an the one extreme only animals in his diet you have chosen the other extreme only plants in your diet the difference is though we have modern day data fairly longish term to show that the more plants you eat the healthier you are he doesn't have that so he's gone and said we ate meat for millions of years therefore we should only eat meat you're saying yeah we ate meat and plants i'm going to lean on the plant side of it and look at all this research showing how much better the health outcomes are today in this world not in the million years ago world where we don't really actually know like what do we know right now but i would
0: also just debate the point of us ever eating a diet that was all or mostly calories from animal foods he might be able to find like one (laughs) example of that yeah but most of the data that we do have particularly on these modern day hunter gatherer tribes Mm. suggests that they're, they're getting a fair percentage of their calories from plant foods.
1: But I feel like what he said about your claims, I don't even know. Have you, have you even said that? Like he sort of said that, you, you know, I can't remember what he said. But I, I play it again. Play it again. I need to hear that again. It, it doesn't sound like something that you would have said. I feel like he for sure misrepresented your, your position on that.
4: And then you look at studies uh, just looking at what humans ate. And our biology and our, our, you know, the anthropology and uh, paleoanthropology and looking, okay, what did humans actually eat? Well, what we've been eating for the past two million years is what we're supposed to eat. What lions have been eating for the last two million years is what lions are supposed to eat. What koalas have been eating for the last however long they've been eating eucalyptus.
1: What lions have been eating for however many years is what lions are supposed to eat. Can't we reframe that and say what food was available is what you, you have the option to eat, right? So we have food available now that was different to however many, many million years ago, right? So what is the available food in your current environment and what is the health outcome you're looking for? We have foods available now in this day that we know promote health. So I don't know if it's about supposed to. It's like this idea that he was there when we were designed. You know, I was there in the factory when we designed the humans and this is what they're supposed to eat. No, you evolve at what's available in your environment. They were eating those foods because they were available. We have foods that are now available that we also know can improve our health. So how, how, how can we can't eat those? Does that make sense? I hope that made sense. In my head, that makes so much sense. I hope people followed that
4: is what they're supposed to eat, that. right? So this is, is this is what were biologically designed and adapted to eat. You can't eat something for two million years, survive as a species and thrive as a species if you are not already biologically evolved to it and designed to to eat it. Hold on.
0: Let me just let me just put something to you. Let's say today all we have available to us is McDonald's. Yeah. That's so all we have available to mm-hmm. us. Are we still going to be able to procreate?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
0: Fast forward. We'll evolve. Let's just fast forward in, in a million years from now. Yeah. And you look back and you saw that humans today were eating McDonald's. Right? Huh? Yeah. Does that mean that McDonald's is the best diet for longevity? It just means that at today, at this That's point what in I was time in two thousand example. in two thousand and twenty three. Yes. McDonald's was around. You evolved and it, to your environment. Well, McDonald's provided enough nutrition to... It wasn't killing people before they could have babies. Right. That's what it's I am trying It's killing to say. people when they're 50, 60, 70. Yes. Right? That doesn't affect evolution.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, we could go back and look two million, year, two million years ago. Yeah. I I still disagree with him. He's trying to Wait. act like he knows the lion diet and the, and the human diet, and he's trying to make it that's clear-cut that humans ate a carnivore diet or yeah. carnivore I would debate that. that. Yeah, we don't know that. And I think Herman Ponce's work suggests that that's just not true. Right. But you could go back and see what humans were eating 2 million years ago. The only thing that that tells us is that those foods were good enough to get them to an age to procreate, and that's why we're here today. Right. It does not tell us that Homo erectus, 2 million years ago, who was eating that that though, if he had kept eating those foods and wasn't killed by another animal or killed by a, a, another tribe right. or killed by an infection, that he was going to live to 80, 90 with, with clean, clean, clean arteries.
1: Do we just say the same thing? Do we just become best friends? <laughs> 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 Mate, 100%. Can you, can you keep playing though? I want to hear that part where he mentions your name. I'm trying to figure out why he quoted you.
4: Or you have them become optimized to it. It just doesn't work like that. That's just not how biology works. And so I've, I've heard this, this argument, um, from Simon Hill, which I just thought was insane. He said, Oh yeah, well, you know, yeah, you know, I'm not arguing that, you know, people, you know, have been eating meat for 2 million years, but you know, it's probably not optimal probably suboptimal. This thing that we've never eaten before in human history, that, that, that that's definitely better, uh, because you know, some studies plants that we've never eaten.
1: That's what I'm saying. That's, you never said that.
4: So like I t- Well we always ate plants. We've always eaten plants. That's what
1: I'm saying. So that's a total don't
4: care. You know, you don't understand biology from a fundamental level. If we've been eating meat for two million years, even if we didn't start out as it being optimal for us, it definitely would have become optimal for us. That's just how biology and evolution work. Pause. And so
0: So if something's not pause. optimal for longevity, how over time does it become optimal for longevity?
1: <sighs> Say that again.
0: The example I used before, so McDonald's, Yeah. right? Is it possible in two million years from today? Mm. So he just said then it's possible for something that's not optimal will become optimal over time. Mm-hmm. That is akin to us saying that today, Big Macs, yeah. which we know are not optimal for longevity
1: today, yeah, that they will in two million years be optimal. Yeah, I don't think you can draw. You can't do that because... I actually think it's case closed when you explain the only reason that we need to we need to get to the age to be able to reproduce, have our offspring, they do the same thing, down the line, that is how we evolve and continue. It tells you nothing about the quality of your life or your health in your later years. Mm. We are in a privileged position today that we can actually care about those things. We have antibiotics to stop infections that would have killed us millions of years ago. The only way for what he's saying to to, to
0: occur would be... Only the people that eat Big Macs today that are going to live to 90 or 100, we're only going to let them have kids. Mm. That's yeah. the only way how you can change the gene pool in that way. Right. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Because if, if people who are <laughs> being killed by McDonald's at, at 60 or 70 because they get cancer or cardiovascular disease are able to have kids. Right. Then we're not influencing the, the gene, gene pool. pool in the way to make humans all of a sudden resilient to right. junk food. Right, right genes have been passed on it's been done <laughs> the genes are yeah. passed on yeah yeah. so this yeah. is i mean yeah, i'm not sure uh, what he just said about me yeah i, don't, I what was the wording now What's he the,
1: called the, you insane for he sure called me insane yeah. yeah i also don't like but that's okay you know, I, I i don't take offense
4: argument, to um, from simon hill which i just thought was insane He's like oh yeah well you know yeah you know i'm not arguing that you know people you know, have been eating meat for 2 billion years, but, you know, it's probably not optimal, probably suboptimal. This thing that we've never eaten before in hum- human harsh. history, that I, you know, that that's definitely better uh, because, you never know, eaten some before study said so, like, I just don't care. You know, you don't understand biology from a fundamental level. If we've been eating meat for 2 million years, even if we didn't start out as it being optimal for us, it definitely would have become optimal for us. That's just how biology and evolution
0: works. What, no 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 what no, the no. point one of the points that I just want to get across here is that meat could have been very important for survival for uh, for us being here today but at the same time eating a lot of meat could be very bad for your long-term
1: health. right he's implying that we evolve to the food we evolve to the food available he's saying if only the only thing available is meat we will evolve for it to be optimal that's that's what he's saying but what we're saying is here is that who cares once you've reproduced? It doesn't make a difference. So even defining optimal is just confusing. Like what is optimal? To get to reproduction? To pass on your genes? Or is it to live a long life disease-free? It's just it's just murky, man. I'm lost. I feel yeah, dumber now.
4: You know, I don't it's, think he's making um, it's, a lot of, a, of sense. I, I feel really dumb right now. To say that what we've been eating for 2 million years is not what we are designed to eat and what we would be – Benefited to eat. Can we use plants as medicine? Sure. Can we use it as a, as a crutch to get us through a famine? Absolutely. And we have, and I think that's a, that's a serious survival advantage, but that doesn't mean that it's optimal. Right. And so, um, you know, so there, it just depends on the journals you're reading. So you need to go to first principles. You need to look at, at biology, biochemistry, at uh, organic chemistry, understand botany. That's a big Stop. one. You know, understand how our bodies work understand what we are designed to eat and then you know and then you don't Stop. Even need anything else I mean, that's so
1: yeah go what, what are you thinking
0: i just want to read you a quote from okay. this 2018 paper of herman ponces which i recommend everyone read yeah he says meat heavy low carbohydrate diets may have been the norm for some hunter-gatherer populations in the past But many small-scale societies, including those with excellent metabolic and cardiovascular health, eat diets that are relatively rich in
1: carbohydrates and simple sugars. If I said to you, Simon, look at these studies, look at biochemistry, look at all these buzzwords you're throwing around, look at biology, look at this mechanism, look at first principles, botany, look at at this. Do you think this is what we're designed to eat based on these biochemical studies? Start eating that way, you're going to live a long life. Verse, Simon, look at this population over here. They eat this food. This is how long they live. This is how much disease they have. Which one of those gives a better prediction of a real-world scenario that you might end up at? The biochemistry of a food and how we were quote-unquote designed, which I'm sure he wasn't there when we were designed, versus here's a real-life population that we're studying, disease-free, who live really long and this is what they eat. Forget about the biochemistry. I would say to you, has that real world example being replicated to which you would say yes
0: and then i would say and therefore what you're saying is those populations can both procreate and live a long life (laughs) yeah because that's what i want right you know i i I don't want to just eat a diet that's going to help me to to get to an age to procreate i want to eat foods that are going to enable me to have children and also hopefully reduce my risk of developing cancer and having a heart attack
1: right so if you're a betting man, you're saying, you know what, I'm going to lean on the lifestyle and diet of the people that I've seen walk the walk, versus the other person's going to lean on what we think the people ate and how they lived, and because of the biochemistry, let's let's just hope that we live a long, healthy life. I, I know which one I'm choosing. All right. Yeah, I think. we're
0: I guess the question that I would throw back to Dr. Chafee, he said that we will, even if a diet is not optimal, we will evolve to that that diet will become optimal. So I would love to know how we are going to evolve for the McDonald's diet today right. to become optimal. Right. How is that going to happen? Right. If if people who are being killed by the McDonald's diet in their 50s, 60s and 70s today are still able to procreate. Right. Because that diet's not killing them before they can procreate. How about you? How, yeah. how on earth are we ever going to evolve to adapt to the McDonald's <laughs> diet such that it becomes a healthy diet? Right. If he can answer that... Yes. You'll change your ways. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll start <laughs> okay. eating meat and meat only. Right, exactly. You just can't. Uh, th- to me, that's case closed. But just let's play devil's advocate here. Let's actually do this one. What if he showed you a population of only meat eaters who are 100 years old with clean arteries, no cancer, blah, 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 or... Not no cancer, but better health outcomes, less prevalence of disease, in their hundreds, healthy and thriving. And all they eat is meat, high saturated fat. Mm. What do you say to that? I'd find that very interesting. And I would. Right. And and would, I would I
0: would want to ask a lot of questions. Right. Maybe they have some genetic differences. Sure.
1: But would you not then such say that
0: like saturated fat isn't affecting APOB in that
1: population? Sure. But would you not then say well, at least there is some good evidence right there to choose, potentially choose that diet. I'm seeing a population group living a long life, thriving on only meat. At least there's a ground now to stand on or at a base. To, I think that to make would a be that would strengthen his position. That's what I'm saying. But, sure. but to my knowledge, that doesn't exist. So I feel like he's taking a stab in the dark based on this beautiful evolutionary story that he's told everyone. He's totally guessing. Mm. But at least show us a population that's thriving in their hundreds eating only meat where is it and e- seen it. like
0: even in the fossil in the records right it's pretty well established now that a lot of the earlier records probably overestimated the contribution of meat to these diets mm. because the bones remain yeah but the plant foods don't right so when yeah, they're excavating cool. these sites right. and, and think looking at what they ate you you may be overestimating the contribution right. of animal fat and animal protein
1: that's an interesting take I haven't heard that that's very sensible
0: Herman Pontzer yeah. speaks about that. I think that's the best place for anyone who wants a really sensible <laughs> overview yeah. from an evolutionary anthropologist on this topic. I'm not professing to, What's his to, to, background? to be that. Dr. So Chafee. Yeah, his doctor. I think he was an orthopedic surgeon. Okay. Don't quote me on that. Right. Medical doctor. Okay. All right. um, I I would seriously just read Burn. Mm. Don't take our word for this. Yeah. Read Read that book. I
1: haven't read it. I, I should read it for sure. I'm sure there's it goes into book.
0: all of this in a lot of detail. Yeah, awesome. And it puts to rest a lot of myths that exist around the paleo diet, ancestral eating. right If by the time you put that book down, you'll have a completely different view of what ancestral eating means mm. and also the role of exercise,
1: mm. particularly yeah, in fat that parts. part. I've read about that part, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah. Should we move on to the next yeah, segment? Cool. yeah, absolutely. What is the next segment? Did you get anything <laughs> off your chest? Do I have, Yeah. I feel like you kind of did. <laughs> um, do I need to get anything off my chest? Listen. What do you think about having food on the pot?
0: People listening to us chew. It's probably really annoying.
1: Yeah. Let's test it out. Can I have a walnut? Um, Get it off your chest. Do you eat a lot of blueberries? No. Too much. No, no. Too much. I eat They're my favorite fruit. So much. So much. Mm-hmm. Favorite fruit? Yep. Blueberries. Of course. Blue... Blend them into my all of my smoothies, put them in my porridge. You like blackberries? I like blackies, I love. Raspberries. I don't discriminate. I like all berries.
0: Um, you have to choose one berry for the rest of your
1: life. Which <laughs> do you
0: choose? Blueies. Blue? Yeah. Why not blackberries? So. What have they done?
1: So are you bringing uh, colour into this? <laughs> Come on, son. <laughs> I love all berries, okay? I love all people. I love all animals. I love all berries. Why is there a P in raspberries? Rasp. Is it like do you say raspberries or do you say ras? Uh, to me, it's a silent p. Raspberries. Raspberries. Should should we just get rid of the p? Yeah, if you want. Um, <laughs> okay, mate. Listen, I'm going to do what you just did to me. I am going to show you a video. I'd like you to react to because this is one of the things that I want to get off my chest. Mm-hmm. And then can we can we talk
0: about berries a little bit more? I have a, uh, the smoothie study. Yes. Yes. Bear, a lot of people sent me this. I'm going bananas to find versus berries. Yeah,
1: I'm keen to hear that. I'm trying to find this video, which I should have prepared earlier. I know. While because, you're finding that video, yeah, can
0: you, can you get I'll the, give people a summary.
1: Wheels going. Yeah, let's hear it.
0: So, the banana blueberry smoothie study. I had a lot of people sending me a study during the weeks, which was a collaborative effort from researchers at the University of California mm-hmm. and the University of Reading. It looks like reading i believe it's reading okay i have been there i have a funny story save that for (laughs) off air off air (laughs) so this study was was looking at uh, a group of polyphenols called flavanols that are in foods particularly in fruits and vegetables really rich in in berries and apples and pears but also in cocoa and certain teas. And we know that they seem to be very protective for cardiovascular health and also for cognition. There's been a bunch of different research sort of leading up to this study that um, suggested that the the combination of foods that we eat might affect the absorption of these polyphenols in our meal. Mm -hmm. So they could be foods interacting with each other, leading to reduced bioavailability. Right. And we know that happens
1: with many nutrients. Right.
0: right? So this group of researchers were particularly interested in an enzyme called polyphenol oxidase, PPO. Mm-hmm. We'll shorten that too. And it's known that PPO reduces the bioavailability of flavanols. And PPO is... <laughs> in different fruits and vegetables in varying amounts, but it's very rich in bananas. Mm -hmm. Also, I have a table here. It's not just bananas. We might come back to this. It's also very rich in beet greens, apples, and pears. They're sort of like the top four of the foods that they looked at because afterwards they they went through and just looked at PPO activity in a bunch of different foods for interest's sake. So they were looking at these three different contexts, there was a bunch of different little studies within this. It wasn't just one. But broadly speaking, they had one group who were given a a flavanol supplement, Mm -hmm. straight-up supplement. So there's no polyphenol oxidase at all. The next group was given a banana smoothie. And the third group was given a blueberry smoothie. They matched the flavanol content in all three contexts yep. because there's less flavanols naturally in banana than berries right so the flavanol content, uh, content was consistent across the three groups mm. what was different in the three groups was the polyphenol oxidase yep so the mo- there was the most ppo was in the banana smoothie and then there was a little bit in the blueberry smoothie, not a lot, because there's not a lot of polyphenol oxidase in blueberries. And then there was none in the supplement. Mm-hmm. group. So they would have the smoothie or the supplement, and then afterwards they were looking at the plasma, so blood concentration of flavanols. And what they noticed was the supplement and the blueberries significantly increased the flavanol concentration, mm-hmm. almost to the same degree.
2: Mm.
0: So the little bit amount of PPO in, in blueberries didn't have much effect right. on bioavailability of the flavanols in the blueberries. Mm-hmm. In the banana smoothie, because bananas are so rich in polyphenol oxidase, yep. which seems to break down these flavanols, yep. the concentration, and this has been misreported, there are some... Sites I've seen that have suggested that flavonoid concentration went down in the banana smoothie arm. It didn't, it went up. It was just 84 or 87, somewhere in the 80s, yes. percent lower, lower increase than in the supplement or in the blueberry uh, smoothie yeah. arms of the study. So, this raises some interesting questions as to. What, do, what are the take home points here? Do we need to make smoothies that separate food groups? Do not have bananas because mm-hmm. the bananas are potentially reducing the... the bioavailability of these flavanol, um, flavanol polyphenols. Yeah. And the the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics in USA recommends about 400 to 600 milligrams of flavanols per day. That's based off all of this research looking at cardiovascular health mm-hmm. and cognition but does it matter how you're getting that 400 to 600 milligrams of flavanols because really it you know how much of those are you absorbing Mm. it could be very different from person to person i think a lot of people have seen this study and are freaking out and are (laughs) potentially it could trigger (laughs) orthorexia and 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 we could be getting into the weeds here Mm. this is going to be most important For someone who has an unhealthy diet that's not eating a lot of fruit. Right. But if you're eating a whole food plant-based or close to that and you're getting so many flavanols throughout the day above what the average person's getting, this is probably of far less concern for you. But if you wanted to, to really try and maximize the flavanol uh, absorption,
1: then… Avoid those foods that you mentioned before if you're pairing them with flavonol rich foods. Right,
0: so what you might want to do, I wrote down some some potential swaps for right. people to consider here. So it was beet greens and bananas mm-hmm. that are the two that are the most rich in polyphenol oxidase. Yep. So if you were wanting to to sort of tinker with a few changes to your morning smoothie so that you absorb more of the polyphenols in the berries that you're putting in there, you might swap banana for mango, that's a pretty good swap.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Or it could be for pineapple or orange. Both of those were really low in in PPO. And cucumber. Frozen cucumber is another good one that you can add into smoothies. Mm-hmm. But I think mango or pineapple is a pretty good alternative oh, yeah. to, Very sweet. to banana. Yeah, And for the green side, side of things, instead of using beet greens, you could swap that for kale or spirulina. They were two other kind of greens that they looked at the ppo content of and they were super low right again centenarians aren't thinking about this (laughs) stuff (laughs) so we we run the risk here of making things way too complicated and if you look on tiktok right now it's it's like these these kind of big fear uh yeah,
1: fear-mongering, fear-mongering
0: posts. Fear-mongering yeah. type posts yeah. about, you know, you've been doing it wrong. Yeah. Welcome Don't to put TikTok, bananas man. in your smoothies. It's not
1: unique to smoothies. Right. They do this with everything. Uh, not that I'm on it. I've never even signed on, but I know what that sort of content is. It's just hyperbole. Yeah. it's There's a lot of... You're always um, doing something wrong. You're always doing it. The opposite of how you should be, and they tell you this, it should be that. It's all
0: the word that I was looking for was sensationalized. Yes. So the the findings of this study are interesting. Yeah. But one thing that I'll flag here is these guys looked at one interaction of one compound. Right. There's probably so many interactions that we're unaware of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we were to run a study on absolutely everything, yeah, imagine trying to create your <laughs> meals. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so a I'm not headache. putting too much kind of stock into this study. Yeah, and It's interesting. Uh you know. If you if you want to play around with your smoothies and you and you are you know you enjoy mango right. swap banana for mango right. then go for it. So it's not going to do any harm but there are you know bananas are healthy right they have some some great micronutrients in them like potassium right and so i they certainly have a place in a healthy diet
1: yeah it depends what you're looking at right they're measuring one thing yeah. you can paint it in one way and you can paint it totally and if you love kind
0: of bananas way. and they're getting you to have your smoothie and you're not going to enjoy it and
1: therefore not have it, not worth it.
0: Disregard this stuff.
1: Can I ask you how many bananas were in the smoothie? So Uh, I think it was was one banana. I think it was one. Okay. See if you can find that because this is where it becomes like a practical takeaway. If you're having (laughs) four bananas in your current smoothie, right, compared to if you're just having half a banana, I wonder if that's going to make a significant difference. Like the PPO in half a banana surely – when it's combined with a massive serve of blueies, it's going to be very different to if you're having four bananas, I'm sure. Um, but Yeah, see if you can dig that up, because I'd be interested to see how people can apply it to their actual smoothies when they have them in the morning. Like, how many bananas should we be thinking about here? And what was the serving of blueberry, blueberries as well?
0: To give you an idea, on a per 100 gram basis, blueberries have 270 times less PPO than banana.
1: Wow, okay. And so you said flava, flavanols what was the word flavanols flavanols per day should be 400 to 600 what milligrams milligrams and what how many milligrams are in these smoothies based on these serves uh, it was around 500 to 600 right so what you're trying to say is you can get your daily dose of flavanols in this one smoothie if you've got if it's blue rich in blueies but over the course of a day you're probably going to be eating way more than 500 milligrams of flavanols if you're eating a high plant-based diet. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: But this is where it gets really confusing because the recommendations to have 400 to 600 milligrams of flavanols are based off observational evidence. They're not even looking at what's
1: absorbed. Right. 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 So or they're yeah. probably
0: looking at people who are going out and just eating a whole mix of foods and yeah. not absorbing the full 400 to 600 milligrams. Okay.
1: Yeah. I see. Interesting. I'm not going to change my smoothie. I'm telling you now. I love a frozen banana in my, in my smoothie with my blueberries. But unless I can prove that I have a f- deficiency in flavanol, flavanols, I will consider changing the ingredients in my smoothie.
0: 177 grams of ripe frozen bananas.
1: 177 grams? 177 grams. So that's specific. about 120 grams is a banana, roughly, in weight, from my memory. Yeah. Am I right? That's 118. That's pretty good going.
0: So about one and a half.
1: The reason I know that is because when I was diagnosed with diabetes, I had to weigh out all my food for the first like a year to learn mm. what does a food weigh, how many grams of carbs are in it. And I've ate a lot of bananas and so I've weighed plenty of bananas out. So yeah, they're having over one banana per per smoothie and that's adding a significant amount of PPO, right? And then what did you say reduces the absorption by 80 something percent?
0: The concentration in plasma, the flavanol concentration, it was actually metabolites of flavanols. We don't need to go into the specific details of that, but it was 84% lower in the banana smoothie arm compared to the mixed smoothie and control, between 80 and 90%. Mm -hmm.
1: So are you going to amend your smoothies, or is this something that you just... It's an interesting takeaway, but probably not something to act on right now.
0: I tend to think over the course of a day that my total flavonol like is intake massive. is is off the charts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That I would be absorbing more than enough. Right. And I love frozen banana. Yeah. But I also like mango, so I might play around with it. <laughs> I do think though, Michael Pollan, eat food mostly plants, not too
1: much. So concise. Sometimes yeah. we overcomplicate 100%. things, and I
0: know I brought this study to the the pod today. But so many people had sent it to me. Right. If this wasn't sent to me, this so is is this is kind, kind of one of, of th- those th- studies I wouldn't bring up, right? In fear that people are going to hear it, yes, and then make you know, unnecessary changes
1: yeah. and become authoritative, yeah. just giving though. it too much weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this trending on TikTok? This kind of shit. Yeah. God, I'm glad I'm not on there. <laughs> Speaking of TikTok, can I show you a video that I'd love to see your reaction to? You might, have, you might have seen this. Do you follow Joey Swole on Instagram? Mm, the name rings a bell. You Joey probably Swole. sent me something from him. Probably have. He's a big buff bodybuilder um, who I just love. Bigger he, than you? Mate, he, he eats me for breakfast. Okay, This guy is, is very large. Um, he I love his content because he, he calls out the BS that people do in gyms because he cares about the fitness industry as I do and I'm sure you do too. What we want is more people in gyms, more people exercising, more people looking after their health, right? He calls out the – because there's this trend on TikTok of, I want to say, a lot of younger demographic, younger people who set up a tripod and (laughs) mic themselves up and basically film their workouts and talk to camera and talk about what they're doing. And if somebody, God forbid, walks between the camera and their – studio space that they just stole from everyone else they go to tiktok and they wrote check this out this person's doing this mm. and that and walking through my video the disrespect or they'll like film someone with like shitty form so that their video will go viral so they can like laugh at them and mm. you know so anyway have a look at this this is what, so, what this is the sort of content he posts um let's see what you think about this one
3: How did you not see my tripod? Words that never should be spoken at the gym. And why didn't they see your tripod? Because they're minding their own business, getting their workout in. It's not their job or anybody's job to look for your tripod just because you're filming. And I think it's funny that you post in your bio, empowering men and women to achieve the body they want. A How point. is this helping men and women? I love the direct. That? When There's you think it's reply. okay to treat people like this and get upset simply because somebody walks through your video, and what's the big deal anyway? Edit it out, which you did. You posted a video without this, but you chose to post this too because you think you own the gym. If you're filming, nobody can go through that space. And I'll go ahead and say it. If somebody walking through your video is enough to upset you and make you lose focus on your set, you're not training hard enough. You need to train harder and do better. And do more meditation. Mind your own business.
0: <laughs> do some mindfulness.
3: How cutthroat
1: is it though?
0: I love like that. that is. I wish I was. But I think that's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Like I have no problem with someone filming in the gym. No. You can film. Yeah, sure. But also just be aware that that's not your private space. And also don't feel me. Things mean. are going to happen. People are going to walk in front of it.
1: Right. If you, Yeah. If you even notice that somebody walked in that area behind you, you're not in the set. You should be thinking about one thing. Focus on the set. What muscles am I training? Mm-hmm. How does it feel? How hard am I going to train? If you're thinking about this f- fake little production you've put together, you're not there to train. You're there to create content. Like, What are you actually doing? And you're turning people off. And if you are truly about empowering people,
0: then, I mean that that type of content is only going to
1: disempower people and make them feel uncomfortable 100%. about going into the gym. Hundred percent. There's this trend, mate. I, you've obviously. You, I only see it through Joey because I follow him on Instagram. But apparently on TikTok, there's this trend of like creating viral content by filming people doing ridiculous things in the gym and then like mm-hmm. making fun of them. But it could be like someone extremely overweight or someone extremely old. At least they're in there. They're trying. And they might be doing something a little bit wrong. Their technique sucks, but it could be their first day in the gym ever. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine over they open social media conversation with right, them, and, and, them and help them. Imagine they're on social media because some older people are. Believe it or not, you youngsters out there, some older people are on social media. Imagine finding a video of you that's gone viral right like some of these some of the stuff he posts mate it's wild these kids but it's not even that to be
0: honest it's it's everyone else that sees it that's it It's and the then, message you're sending and and thinks gosh that's what's happening at the gym when i go in There's I don't people want to go judging there. me right. like that right i yeah. think if you're a trainer anyone that's in that space it is it is your duty to make that space feel safe for everyone
1: yeah right and just cuz you have 10,000, 50,000, a million followers doesn't make you any better than anyone else in that gym. I don't care about how famous you are. I don't care if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you create this st- stage to perform your exercise that no one's allowed to walk through, mm. they're paying membership just like you. They have the right to be there and train and improve themselves. So that's what I want to get off my chest. I hate this fitness culture at the moment of like everything's a tripod and microphones and, you know, posting it it's and fake. shaming people. And yeah, it's just ridiculous. And, and he posts videos of kids who, this blows my mind. They take selfies in the change room. So they're flexing in a mirror and there'll be someone naked behind them. And they zoom in on the guy naked and go, look at this old man video bombing my flexing session. It's like, mate, you're in a change room. Mm. That's the most appropriate place to be naked. What are you doing filming? And then they, they post it like I'm talking full frontal. Like they don't even blur it out so then he'll repost and he has to blur out like it's just what has happened to this culture what has happened Ah, stay off tiktok anything for the gram stay off tiktok TikTok. these 16 year old like experts in fitness they've never done anything they haven't learnt anything they just maybe some of them are genetically gifted and they look extremely good but again what you have
0: to do to go viral just keeps getting more and more extreme I know but I
1: love that there is this kind of content to offset it you need joey swalls hold people accountable yeah you need the lane nortons to say hey this claim is absolute bullshit and ridiculous here's why and and expose it Mm -hmm. and people are waking up and i I love it i want to do it but then it's like our conversation the other day imagine how exhausting it is like you could see he gets fired up like really fired up he looks down the barrel and he really talks to Mm -hmm. the person imagine having to do that every day
0: yeah and does that carry over to your time with your friends or your kids or your
1: partner I think it does good to expose this stuff, but yeah, on a personal level, it would just be exhausting dealing with that all the time. So anyway, shout out to Joey Swole. I know he's watching. Joey. Perhaps he watches The Proof podcast. Keep doing it, dude. I like it. <laughs> I love it. It's direct. It. It's brilliant. It was articulated perfectly. I know. And he was right. He's always right. He was right. He's always right. <laughs> he also posts beautiful, positive stories of like, there was this one the other day and it freaking made me cry. There was this you know overweight woman who... Had this this experience, this moment in the gym that uplifted her, and she was just crying in her car, talking to camera, and it was like a six seven minute video. I watched the whole thing, and it was just beautiful hearing her talk about what a little comment, like somebody in the gym noticed her and came up to her and said, "Great job, keep it up, you're doing well." It's I amazing. see you, I see you, and she was just a mess, like she was crying. I just got shivers even talking about it. Like, I'll show you the video after. You can it's just put in the show notes. So That's people amazing. watch that. It's a great video. I mean, that kind
0: of, you and I were talking about being of service yeah. to people. Or like being of service, you often think about that as like, what's the big project right. or charity that I need to be part of or donation? But the micro things, yeah. right? Yeah. And I was thinking about this this morning because another thing we spoke about was there is a little difference you can feel it when you go from like queensland to sydney in terms of
1: smiles and good mornings yes yes small town to bigger cities it's different yes it's different and
0: i felt that the last week yeah and so this morning i was like trying to make a real conscious effort because what happens is once when you're on the gold coast or byron it's just normal yeah everyone you walk past it's eye contact yeah it's good morning a smile it's the small things yeah right And maybe here and there, it's an odd compliment or something. Right. And people are really thoughtful. Mm -hmm. I think in Sydney, just people are much, maybe they're busier. Big city. faster pace. Faster pace. But but what I think is, like, so the first couple of days when I came down, I noticed it. Yeah. And it kind of, I'd forgotten that there was this this difference that you can feel. Mm. And... By three or four days in, I had become, become one of them. One of them. <laughs> so, so then this morning I was like, right, I'm not just going to like blend in it's I'm a conscious problem. effort and let's try and smile. Be the change. Let's try and smile at, at at people, some people that I've never seen before, some that I just order coffee from all right, the time. Right. And at the least say good morning. Right. Or if, if there is a genuine compliment. Yes. Not just to offer compliments for the purpose of it. Sure. But if there is a genuine compliment. Just give someone a little a little compliment. Yes. And I'm not sure exactly where I was going but with that. But did you do it? Like I'm saying I did. did I did it. Right.
1: And, and you felt good obviously doing it. Well, this Hard science
0: and again, I'm not sure if this is the right reason to do it, but there is <laughs> because if if you're doing it for the purpose of feeling better yourself. Arguably that's well, not Well, this not is the right a philosophical question. This. I've looked into this. Right. arguably bit. you should be doing this out of The
1: the sole purpose being to serve others right. in the community and right. to give. Sure. But right. if you think about the net outcome, your intention, whether it's for you or them, the net outcome is the same. The net outcome is the great. same. But, so, I don't think it actually matters. It, this yes. comes back to like the label thing. and like Well, I wonder though, if you go into it with the intent
0: of it helping you feel better right. versus it coming from the goodness of
1: your heart, yes I does hear it affect saying. you differently? What I know for sure is it affects that other person in the same way. Whether you did it for you to make yourself feel a bit better that day or whether you did it because you really it's a it's not as a means to it an was end. Genuine. It's, there's no outcome attached to it. It's just this is the right thing to do in this moment for that person, you do it, right? Either way that person, I mean the byproduct is you're going to feel good. Mm. But if you go into it wanting to feel better for yourself or just to be selfless and altruistic and do it for them, Either way, they benefit. So I don't actually care what your intention is personally. I think it's a great thing to do. But I think in that video that I was just saying, that guy was 1000% just doing it for her. I I believe that. Mm. I don't think he was thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to, it would feel really good for me to serve this lady. I think he just, he saw the moment. he, He appreciated what she was doing and he went up and he did it. And it was like this, I think this was your point going back to it. It's the micro things, it's not the, the mm. big grand gestures. It's not the, like, I bought a stranger a car because you see that content as well on social media. Like, you know, I went up to a homeless person and gave him $10,000. It's not that. It's the it's the smile to the barista. It's the mm. say hello to the guy at the gym that you've been walking past every day for five years and you've never actually said hello. Like, what's your name? Mm. And it might need
0: to be a little more contrived or planned at the beginning. Right? When yeah, you're practicing, practicing. It, you're trying to flex this muscle. Yeah, But then, so... so the perfect example when i was back in byron i was never thinking about this it was just how oh, it man. is you're in that environment and you do feel better from it
1: like what's your what's the guy there, the coffee shop guy coffee cart guy He's oh, um
0: irish fellow Scottish,
1: Scottish. what a champ
0: amazing i've never and had an interaction energy, like that in the energy that he offers <laughs> yeah is incredible he lights everyone up yeah. from the beginning of their day right and but he brings that community together down there
1: right but there's space for it there because there's not a rush to get to work where there's 20 mm. people behind you order order coffee get it i, I gotta go there it's a little slower paced. there's not a line of people commuting to the city you know you can have that experience mm. which can you manifest that here i'd say yes i was hard. my
0: my thought process was i i'm going to smile at more people this morning. Yeah, anyone I wanted would smile have at back. Sp- a lot of people didn't smile back. <laughs> yeah, of and in fact, it was like, "Who's this weird guy yeah. smiling? <laughs> Why is he Left so happy?" hanging hard. Fucking guy's too happy. But there was, there were plenty of people who smiled back. Right, and then I thought, well, they're going to go and smile at someone
1: else now. Bang! There we go. The domino effect. Mm. It's very possible that that could work. Pretty simple. It's so simple. It's definitely a do no harm, and it's definitely the most universal language we have—a smile. I don't care where you're from; everyone knows what a smile means, and it makes you feel good. It's actually, just some really interesting science on smiling. I just wrote about it in my little ebook that I'm putting yeah. together. Do you care to share? Give us a, I'll give, give you us a summary yeah, of the top obviously, line. Obviously, kids smile more than adults, like up to like 400 times a day or something compared to adults, which could be like 10 or 20. So, a lot of people are in a deficit of smiling and happiness. You know how you can tell if someone smiles a lot? How? Yeah. The crow's feet? Yeah. I got quite a few of those. You're a happy person. <laughs> you have to dig deep to find something to get off your chest. Like, that's how happy you are.
0: <laughs> I've had those since I was like in my early 20s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so, uh, crazy laughter.
1: There's there's other interesting that's things what I about it smiling. Um, you can reverse engineer the feelings, the endorphins, the happiness of a smile by faking it. So it's like this feedback to the brain. You, you fake a smile, right? And it feels weird, but like, do it right now. Just smile. You're not think just do a smile st- stretch your face you get the same feelings as if something external triggered that smile so the oh, I and mean you actually do the smile yes Ah, oh, so you're yeah. sitting you could be alone right and let's say you've got negative thoughts and you're in this like spiral of negative thoughts or maybe you're stressed mm-hmm. anxious smiling about nothing gives you a little feedback of that positivity so, it's like, you can kind of, you can fake it till you make it in a way. Or just turn Ricky So, what Jay-Zo. I was saying. Was, Man, yeah. You don't have to or fake just, anything. Yeah, yeah, true. No, but what I was trying to say with that is like, at the very least, if you put on a smile for somebody else and they try to match it back to you, mm-hmm. even if they don't feel it, it might actually help them to feel that little bit better just in that little moment. Yeah, you're going to change their, yeah, their biology. Yes, biohacking them. It's got to be illegal. Yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah the serving what i was where i didn't didn't finish that sentence earlier there are studies looking at giving right and they've shown that the same areas of the brain that light up with sex and with food right they light up when Mm. you
1: serve you serve someone Mm. you give wow makes sense i'm chewing the microphone i'm so sorry guys
0: the meaning of life is to find your gift purpose of life is to give it away Pablo Picasso
1: wow oh, really you sure it was Pablo Picasso <laughs> prove it
0: I'm pretty sure <laughs> I when hope I, you're wrong when I read I it, hope when I it. read it it's had his name underneath it so. I hope this
1: is a cocokonos moment <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you Picasso oh man that's beautiful there's a similar topic. one from Mahatma Gandhi that I can't remember at this point in time but Perhaps we bring that to another bring episode. To the next one.
1: Maybe, maybe, you know what? We've got all these different segments and themes. Maybe we end the show each week with you bring your quote of the week. Just mm-hmm. leave people feeling inspired. If anyone's still listening, we can do that. That'd be cool. Well, I'll leave you. You're the quote, man. You can have that.
0: We'll leave people with, I've given them a quote today. The, what was it? The, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away and i also came with a dad joke okay
1: we'll finish with that i already
0: told you oh wait, you got another one oh that was <laughs> why, the joke why wasn't the weightlifter paying his rent okay yeah i remember do you remember you can use that a- anyone <laughs> listening okay. you can use that in That's fact good. use it today make someone laugh okay why wasn't the weightlifter paying his rent
1: you tell me because <laughs> <laughs> he was benching <laughs> <laughs> Ah oh, guys. Oh, because so he silly. had a really
0: wealthy girlfriend. There we go. There we go.
1: Oh,
0: I love it. There you have it, friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and want to stay up to date with future episodes, be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow on Apple or Spotify. Finally, thank you for showing up and the effort that you're making to take control of your health. I look forward to hanging out with you again in the next episode.